Hello everyone and welcome to another Game of Thrones Tower of Babel Breakdown for Season 5, Episode 10, Mother's Mercy, the final episode of the season, and boy was it uh, a doozy. <laughs> Uh, what a cheerful way to go out, you know, just really leaves you high, just really happy that you watched, you know, 10 episodes of this, this really great show. And uh, I'm just really excited to talk about, it. you know, is that is that not the feeling that everyone else is having? Am I, the I, I am actually excited to talk about it. It's <laughs> not exactly a happy ending, but no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, kidding. <clears throat> I'm not happy about it at all. I'm actually really pissed off about it. Um Let's start off, before we jump into the episode, I just want to uh, touch on something. We got an email from uh, Michael, and he was talking about my, my criticism of the hand-slapping scene with the sand snakes last week. So I'll just read that to you guys and see, uh, to you and see what uh, you think. So it says, hey guys, great show. Um, I believe the reason for the hand-slapping scene was to show that the younger girl, Tyene, knows how to get into people's heads and mess with them successfully. She's already uh, played with Braun and got him to say what she wanted at least twice. And here she is, egging her sister into making a rare mistake. They're developing her more than her sisters for sure, which means she'll play a larger uh, part to come. My fingers are crossed for Tyene and Braun to get her retirement castle from Jamie. Thanks, go Team Stark, which uh, is a great way to end, although <laughs> uh, in, in retrospect, uh, maybe not as, as awesome. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think of that? I mean, I'm still, even after uh, this week's episode, I'm still... Uh, that scene with the hand slapping is still got, got going nothing for it, uh, for me, at least. Um, you know, there have been a few seasons uh, this season that we've sort of said that about, and then they've paid off later on. So this yeah. isn't going to pay off this season, maybe next season. I agree with him that like she, she they are developing her more than any, than either of her sisters, and that is has to be for a reason. And I have my theories about where the Sand Snakes are going to go after this. <clears throat> um, are they book-based theories or show-based theories? Uh, well, it's kind of both at this point, right? Like the, the show has caught up to the books. I can't. There's a couple like minor storylines that it haven't like fully progressed, but like all the big stuff has happened. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's basically any any theory from now on is kind of both. Okay, so I guess it, I'll leave it to your discretion to decide whether or not it's cool yeah. to talk to voice those theories or not. But we'll we'll see. Um, I like I like where Michael's going with this. I like that. Yeah, he's obviously right about the developing Tyene. Um, later in this episode, we get a scene with um, Poison that redeems that scene with Braun and the Sand Stinks earlier. Exactly. Where, where yeah. That was a wasted scene, and then it became something later. But um, as of now, the hand slapping scene is if if it's nothing but um character building for tyene i still think it's not really worth it well the thing the thing with these scenes is they are paying off within the same season this one's not going to pay off for at least a year right yeah so it might not have the same effect probably yeah and maybe Um, not even pay off but it's just like another piece of her character yeah i I mean again if that's just if that's all it is not worth it um so let's get into the episode here because there's a lot to to unbox uh so we'll start at uh Stannis's camp, and hey, there's melting snow. Um, all intents of, for all we know, that it seems like what the sacrifice worked, right? Like you know, Shireen's dead, but hey, the snow's melting, so good signs. That's awesome, but not so fast, okay? Because half the men deserted overnight. Uh, they took all the horses. Um, followed up by the fact that Selice, Stannis's wife, hanged herself overnight. Um, oh, and just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, uh, Melisandre uh, hightails it out of there, is heading towards Castle Black. So, 
Sanus is pretty much screwed. Just absolutely, there's nothing. There's oh, yeah. really nothing left for him there. He's got like a ragtag group of people with him, barely anything. Um, what else? He seems like Metal <coughs> Summoner has abandoned him. I'm, I'll ask you why you think that is in a bit. Um, the wife thing kind of makes sense. The men abandoning him makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Like after you see, like your king burn his own daughter, like. And they yeah, and these are his ship. men. He, yeah, he, it's like they're at, they're out of here. There's no reason to stick around. Like who knows what this crazy person will do? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think? Melisandre took off. That that one's uh, it's hard to say. I, I, I suppose like you know, she sees that her plan has failed. That she doesn't see Stannis in the same light anymore. She, so again, this is kind of like a theme with Melisandre. She's misinterpreted her her visions, you know, mm-hmm. and so she jumps ship as well. Well, I want to know what her, what kind of vision she got with her walking on the battlements of. Winterfell. Well, maybe that's still to come. Maybe, yeah. Maybe she just took she took it to like literally for like right now, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe still coming later. I don't know. Um, yeah, in the book, she's never left Castle Black, right? That's, yes, as I understand. So she's never even there in the first place. Um, so that's interesting, I guess. It it leaves um, it leaves open for people to speculate, I think, that they change that a little bit. Um, but we'll get to that later. That's a, that's that's for another discussion altogether. Um, so we'll move on to uh, Sam and uh, John. And uh, they're sitting in Castle Black, and uh, we get a nice little scene of them hanging out together. Uh, pretty much the last scene of them yeah. hanging out together. Um, which, in retrospect, uh, you know... Taking it with the episode taken as a whole is like very pretty sad. melancholy. Yeah, it's like a pretty sad scene. Uh, not you know when you're first watching it, it doesn't appear that way, um, but if you rewatch it, definitely does come off that way. Um, so Sam tells John to say goodbye. Yeah, exactly, and they have nice cheers, <clears throat> and they get a real goodbye, which very few characters on this show ever get. Um, Sam tells John that he and Gilly will for sure die if he stays at Castle Black, which you can't help but to think would totally be true. Um, he has a nice little monologue uh, about not wanting to be a failure uh, for Sam, uh, for Gilly and Sam Jr., um, which I thought was pretty pretty sad, especially considering what like the whole being, you know, being to a pulp uh, a couple weeks ago thing happening. Um, so he thinks he should be sent to the Citadel. <laughs> to become a maester. So where is this? So we talked about this. It's somewhere in... They, they haven't really mentioned it too much in the show. It's in Old Town, which is far south. It's okay. pretty much the furthest southwest in, in um, Westeros. Okay, so and, and this is something that Sam would really want because A, it's got a big library and we know he likes to read. <laughs> and he feels like he can actually help by, by doing that. Although I do and have it, to criticize this scene a little bit by saying that like... He makes it out to seem like hey, he's just gonna go. It'll take like a week for him to become a maester, and then he'll be back. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I feel like it's a like years long. Yeah, no, process. it's it's going to college. It's a, it's a long process for sure. Um, <clears throat> but it does make sense for Sam's character. Like his his greatest strength have been his intellect and his ability to interpret information. Like he reads and brings new information to the table. Right, he's not a fighter. He's gotten lucky a couple times, but it's not gonna last. So, in the novels, yeah. it's it's John's idea to send him not. Sam's idea, which I like more, but whatever. You like it as John's idea more? For sure. I don't know, because with Sam making the suggestion, because first of all, in this in the show situation, John knows that Sam's like his only, like one of the last few people he has left um, on his side, right? 
um, mm-hmm. at the castle. So he probably wouldn't want to see him go because then he has almost no one backing him anymore. Not that Sam backing him is huge, but at least he it's something, right? And he's a friend. But with Sam making the suggestion, it's like it's a necessity. It's something that has to be done, and he agrees reluctantly to let it happen. And you kind of see the last of John's like friends abandon mm-hmm. him right before you know everything comes to an end right so i i kind of like it better this way which is you know funny because you're the book reader on the show watcher it makes kinda, <laughs> it only makes sense yeah um anything else you want to say about this scene other than it's super sad in retrospect very sad um i don't know i'm excited to see more from sam i'm excited to see old town i'm assuming we'll see it next season you think you think we'll stick with sam while he's learning to be a maester like yeah, because there's there's more important there's other things happening around him while he's in Old Town. Okay, it's so wait, not so just he's already, that. he already left for Old Town in the books. Like this is a like yeah. So in, in the novels sooner? he leaves. Yeah, well, John sends him with Maester Aemon away, and Aemon like, dies on the way. I don't know. Do people care about book spoilers? I guess I should mention well, that. No, beforehand. that's the, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the books are out. The books have been out for years. It's not like it's mm-hmm. and they're dealing with things that have already happened in the show. So I would. As long as it's stuff yeah. that's already happened, so, then it's different. We don't spend a ton of time with Sam in Old Town, but he does reach Old Town in Book Five, and there's there's, you know, some new characters and some new uh, ways of looking at new perspectives that are pretty interesting. So I'm excited to see that. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I guess it's a spoiler to say that he made it, but I guess that's not that big of a spoiler anyway. Um, yeah, we'll deal cause... with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, let's move on. So Brienne, her and Pod have been hang- apparently just been hanging out, uh, looking for the signal from Winterfell for weeks. Apparently, um, and now this is where the show does something that that pisses me off. This is like a classic television show like trope, and they do a couple of these in the show in this episode that kind of bug me. Um, so you set up this plot device about the candle in the window. Um, which creates all this drama, which is fine, um, and but we barely see Brienne the whole time. Ever since she mentions it to that one guy in the inn, we barely see her after that, right? You see her one other time, and she's just looking at the window. And that's it. Yeah, and then so you have all this work, and then you set. And then even in this episode, you set twice. You do a like a like a setup where she's gonna light the candle, and both times, well, the first time it doesn't work. This time she does, but then you do it where she turns around moments like seconds before she lights the candle is like that's it's like not even like it's just it feels cheap you know like Mm -hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna do that like not having have her not even be there which is i think that would even work better like she already left it's like not just she didn't just turn around and miss it which is like again just feels too convenient for me i don't know what do you feel about that they for sure have done that a few times this season just in terms of like and the show in general, like you have this this uh, gripe that you often mention about how characters there's a huge world and they happen to be in the same place, same time, sort of thing. Yeah, always <clears throat> has that same problem. Some of those things you have to forgive, but uh, this is again, it was building this all season, and everything that happened in Winterfell, for the record, was fairly anticlimactic, right? Like you didn't even see the battle which they had been building up this entire well, season. You did some of it at least, right? I mean, how much do you, it's not really a battle; it was more of a slaughter. So really, do you need to see that? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I wanted more from it, though, or from any any of that. <laughs> yeah, this is your this is what your this is your big gripe for the season was the Winterfell stuff, I guess. Eh? This whole entire season, well, especially because it didn't pay off. This is, this is episode ten, and it didn't pay off uh, for me. 
for some, it did in some degrees, but yeah, it, it I would say I have to mostly agree that it 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 was pretty much a disappointment. But there's definitely bigger ones, um, for sure. And I'm looking at you, Dorn. All right, but we'll get to you later. Um, so the reason Brienne had turned around at such a convenient moment was because um, Podrick had spotted Stannis marching to uh, Winterfell. Obviously, Brienne has like a uh, loaded interest in Stannis as she was the one who saw, a, and this is how she always puts it, a shadow with Stannis's face on it. With the face <laughs> of Stannis Baratheon, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, that she um, she forsakes her vows to Catelyn and Jaime and decides to go for her personal vendetta. Yeah, so much for her sword being named Oathkeeper, yeah. right? Um, anyway, so she takes off and manages to catch Stannis um, right at the end of the battle. So we, we kind of skipped ahead a bit, but Stannis eventually reaches Winterfell. He's going to start his siege, which it just looks like... It's, you can hardly car hit, call his army an army. It's like a group of... Just a random group of... He walked there, for God's sakes. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, how are you going to siege anything with... You don't have any food, and you don't have any horses, and you don't have any, like... You know, like, it's kind of like... I think at that point he's kind of just resigned to, well, this is what I have to do, so... Whether I know it's not going to work or not, I'm just going to have to do it. Um, but as soon as he starts to set up, you know, it's like out of Winterfell so just pours all these like an actual army of and they're uh, the cavalry all on horseback yeah, people on hor- yeah horses which is like there's just no way there's like this and then as soon as that happens you get this great overhead shot right very much reminds me of season 10 uh uh episode 10 last season where you get that overhead shot of the horses uh and the and the wildlings mm-hmm. but of these horses like encircling them like half his men just trying to run and get away um obviously it doesn't work out well it cuts away. You're disappointed. What did you want to see here that you didn't get to see, Dan? Well, I I wanted to see more of a confrontation between like Stannis and Roose or Ramsay. I didn't I didn't expect Roose Bolton. He's too smart to be out there in the field. Ramsay for sure, especially because I, I I mean I'll mention that this hasn't happened in the books. The, the battle for Winterfell has not happened yet in the books. That's been bumped to the next to the sixth book. So like I had no idea how it was going to play out. So I just had higher expectations in general. I also thought Stannis was going to win because this, sacrificing Shireen should have more effect than just melting snow. Yeah, I thought I, if I, you know he when he um, <clears throat> like whatever he bangs Melisandre and then that creates a shadow demon that goes and kills Renly Baratheon, right? So burning his yeah. own daughter should have more uh, substance than that. You know what I mean? Or significance? I guess you know the whole shadow th- demon thing is still kind of like an annoyance for most. I think for a lot of people. It's like in this world where you can just create shadow demons whenever you want, apparently. But it's, it's not like, whenever you only want. That's why. It... Yeah, I mean, we and again, we talked about this. The rules aren't clear on the whole magic thing. So, yeah. would you say what you're saying about like sacrificing Shireen to to like win that battle, like or whatever? It should have more mm-hmm. significance. I think I what happens here is that nothing happened, and that either Melisandre's abilities or have diminished, or that um, Shireen didn't have as much. Um, significance to at least for this whatever this god ability thing is or whatever i think that's the reason she took off she knew nothing it didn't work and then was like or melisandre didn't use whatever power she gained from that in this because she left right so she abandoned him so mm-hmm. if you assume that sacrificing shireen endowed her with some sort of power maybe she didn't use it i i'm skeptical of that and i'll i'll mention uh i'll kind of skip ahead a bit this I is just like wishful thinking 
but like okay so i don't think she when she does that she like gets a a, a like a uh power boost and then gets to decide what she uses it on you know i think it kind of like she does it and then whatever that's going to happen happens if, if you know what i mean that makes sense it's like she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily control directly the results but she knows that that's definitely the way it feels yeah. i it's been very nondescript this entire like this entire time and back to the problem where we, the rules aren't very clear on this whole thing, which is an annoyance. I, so when you mentioned that maybe she didn't use the power, whatever she got, one thing that stuck out to me, and it was a pretty small thing, I don't know if anyone really picked up on it, or if you picked up on it, was when, and I'll kind of jump forward here for a second, was when she arrives at Castle Black, it's a very short scene, she arrives at Castle Black, she's on horseback, which I don't know where she got the horse from, but um, she's on horseback, and... Uh, she's bundled up like fully clothed in with like for the weather because it's cold but the rest of the time we've seen her in the north she's just been dressed like she's always has because mm-hmm. she said what like something about the power of the one god or whatever keeps it's her the warm. power of roller protects her like keeps her right warm, yeah. so without so i just seems like that's a pretty <clears throat> big difference to me and maybe that has some, maybe it maybe i'm reading into it too much which is something we've done before but that to me was kind of a sign like maybe she's actually lost her touch you know so she's just like a dude in the world now yeah well I mean, she's not a dude but <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um so yeah that's that's my that's my take on that yeah. um anything else you want to mention about i guess we can mention that uh brienne catches up with stannis right after he does the cool like he kills two dudes two of uh bolton like soldiers they're pretty cool like mini fight scene i thought it, like you don't think of Stannis as like a fighter in that way. Yeah, but and also when you get that overhead shot, you don't think about this battle playing out that way. Yeah, you know, that's true. You think it's more of like just a slaughter. <laughs> well, they, they're in an open field and a bunch of dudes on horses, and then at the end, it's like these two random guys are just here, away from the rest of their army, and Stannis takes them out. I don't know. I, I, it's for dramatic effect, and it was cool, but Stannis was also at the like this was the I had a bunch of people over to watch the show, and this was kind of the consensus afterwards was like he was at the front, he was one of the first people to die there's no way he survives and everybody else is dead and he ends up in the woods somewhere you know well i mean maybe he had people protect him and then he tried to escape to the woods and then i guess he could have killed someone and taken their horse or something but status also wouldn't have retreated right like yeah because he the way he pulls that sword at like when he sees the cavalry coming it's kind of like he's kind of resigned to the fact he was going to lose anyway but he wasn't gonna he was gonna go down with a fight Mm -hmm. i think although he eventually doesn't so he ends up in the woods Right, takes on these two guys. Gets his he gets his foot cut or something. His leg it's bleeding. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like he's done. There's nothing left. He would have been caught, found by someone eventually. Right. So he turned and, we get and a nice probably line. flayed slowly. Yeah, I think, <laughs> probably. We get a nice uh, line where before it cuts to Brienne, where he's like, "Oh, he's uh, the Boltons have women fighting for him now," and then you're like, "Oh shit!" And then it cuts to Brienne. She gets to make her little like uh, victory speech. Um. Then it's really, again, you know, you feel kind of bad for Stannis. I think. I mean, even after what he did last week, you still kind of feel bad. I at least I did mm-hmm. the way, like the way he kind of like resigns himself to just being like, you know, do your duty, get it over with. The way he admits to using black magic to kill his brother, like you, you can't help but to feel like maybe he regrets a lot of these things uh, at that moment. Well, yeah, because none of it paid off the way Melisandre promised it would, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what's one more? That's their first major death uh in this episode mm-hmm. uh stannis it's an actor i liked i always thought he, even though he was he was really dour and down i think he always just did a really good job of mm-hmm. portraying that downness if that his makes name, sense it's like 
Stephen Delane or something like that, or Stephen Delane. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not familiar. With <clears throat> no, he did a great job. Also, again, I know this is wishful thinking, but he died off screen. She just swung yeah. a sword and then it cut away. It, it was doesn't. It not a scream. No, there was no scream. It was just like a. She was like she screamed as she swung. Yeah, and then it was cut there away. No sound of was there no sound of the so, sword hitting anything? I, you see, like maybe he's Nothing. still alive. Maybe she decided to spare him, but I just can't see why she would. I, yeah, no, that makes no sense, really. I don't. Why would you go through all that trouble to not kill him? I mean, maybe she had like a last moment, um, like uh, con- like moment of consciousness or whatever. Maybe she, she realized kinda... that he could still be useful in some other, you know, capacity. Um, this is also being very meta, but like, as a show, like the cutting away doesn't necessarily mean that he's not dead. Like, if he's a bad guy and he, you know, he's Ramsey Bolton, Ramsey, when if and when Ramsey dies, you need to see it and you need to enjoy it, right? Yeah. Just like when Joffrey died, you needed to see like the pain in his eyes and all that crap, right? Because you hate these characters. Stannis is one of those characters. Even after Bernie Shireen, I don't think people purely hate him, and he didn't like need his comeuppance. So maybe he just died off screen, and that's that. It was just a weird way to shoot it. it. I agree because all the other deaths on this in this episode, it, in this episode alone, are not hidden in any way, right? Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It definitely is interesting to look at that, and that's just one of those things they open themselves up to criticism and to speculation when they kill people off screen. Is really what it is. But again, um, one of the people that was at my house watching the show made a good point. Like they killed Ned Stark off screen. Uh no, I they, mean they cut away. Right at the end, and then the next episode, they reveal that oh yeah, he's for real dead. Nothing happened in between. I that's well, that's it, true. Um, at the same time, I, I was actually funny you bring that up. I read an interview with uh, the showrunners D.B. Weiss and Stephen D.B. No. Yeah, Stephen Weiss. No. And David D- Benioff. D- David Benioff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they were talking about like that exact scene about whether they're. In relation to what happens later in the episode, they're talking about the scene with Ned and how they had the longest discussion on whether they should cut on... Like, they were trying to decide whether they should cut on uh, frame 7 or frame 8 or yeah. frame 9, and they couldn't decide. They did, ended up deciding on that they had to see the blade enter the neck, but they weren't going to have him, like, it, it all the way. So they couldn't decide exactly where to do it because they didn't want to leave any speculation that he was dead. Um, well, I so, mean, then... They didn't. I remember when when watching season one. I remember thinking like, you know, something happened, something somebody intervened. He's still alive. There's no way. Well, no, because it doesn't. Okay, so it cuts away a little like early enough, I guess, to make it. But then, well, no, you're right. Distance, as the sword, is, com- the sword the... is coming down. Yeah, but like from a di- don't you from a distance like from Arya's perspective, like way out in the the crowd, don't you see like the head rolling or like no that's the, like, that's again the next episode um oh, Arya's okay. perspective is like the sword swings and it cuts away to her and she's just looking straight up and she sees doves flying she doesn't she because um uh what's his name yorin is is not letting her see right he's he's forcing her to hide her eyes yeah i guess i have it's been a while since i've seen uh episode nine of season one so um, but anyway, I just we'll get back to that interview. It has, they have some other interesting things that they say about uh, what happens later. Um, anything else you want to mention about uh, everything with with Stannis? I mean, with we can kind of talk about the fallout of this um, because we're not going to be able to have, really chat about it until next year. Uh, the fallout here is with Stannis losing. The Boltons 
take another victory in this. Like they, that's the second king of the five kings that they've killed alone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not technically alone, but like they played a hand in killing two of the major ones, right? Um, that actually only leaves one, Balon Greyjoy, who we haven't seen for two seasons. Although, as far as I understand, we'll be seeing him next year. Yeah, it kind of sucks that he's the winner of the War of Five Kings without having <laughs> done anything. Well, I mean, winner in what way, right? He's the last surviving. You could you could argue that the that the Baratheons or slash Lannisters win because Tommen's sitting the throne, but yeah, that's that would be that would where my argument would land. Yes, but I mean <laughs> that to be fair, Joffrey started the war on the throne, so it's, he didn't really do anything. Yeah, I, that's true. Um, so what's this leave? Okay, so taking the Sansa stuff out of it, um, you have the Boltons in at Winterfell and no one to challenge them anymore. Okay, um, so that's well. Bad. I mean, if the Ironborn are back next season, then the Ironborn might, because they Maybe. are also in the north. Are they? Well, I I guess. I mean, we haven't heard anything about that for, again for two seasons, so we don't know what they are. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. The, okay, so at the beginning of the War of Five Kings, they did do a, a decent amount of damage in the north before the Boltons came back or whatever, right? Yeah. So I think at this point, um, Asha, who's Yara in the show is at Deepwood Mott, probably, which is a, whatever, it's another castle in the north, but they're, they're very much on the western side of the north towards the shore, like, they've been, you know, diminished. Okay, yeah, I mean, last time we saw them was with, uh, what, Theon's sister riding off, or sailing off on that boat, um, and she kind of had that, like, look of, like, I'll be back, but, like, yeah. we hadn't seen her for three weeks, but because we haven't seen her for two seasons, it's kind of, that whole, that whole scene's kind of diminished as well. Um, okay. So, I guess that that leaves, yeah, it leaves two powers. I guess kind of in the north. Mostly the Boltons are in control here. Yes, um, and they'll probably kind of rule with an iron fist for wherever long they they will. I mean, with no one to to really well, take them on except for the Greyjoys, it's it, you know it's looks pretty bleak. Well, no, the I, it's the other northern houses that they need to worry about. They have they have no real control over the other northern houses. Their their um, end game was. The marriage to Sansa, right? If they had a Stark heir, then the other northern houses would bow the knee. Mm, right. So, I guess I can't take the Sansa stuff out of it. So now let's just. So let's. Now get we to are that. getting into the Sansa stuff. That was a segue. Yeah. Nice, nice. Using, <laughs> um, <laughs> so you you always need to point out my seg. All right, I always have to point out my segues, and you get criticized me for doing it, and now you did it for once because you have to do it, otherwise no one will notice, right? You don't know that whatever you didn't notice. That's why I had to point it out. If you had noticed, we would have just gone. What a bickering! <laughs> Come on. Okay, using the battle with Stannis as a distraction, Sansa has uses the stolen corkscrew uh, that she took a couple episodes ago to like unlock her door and escape her room. So, and this is another show trope thing that bugs me to a lot. This one shouldn't bug me so much, but it does. She opens the door with the corkscrew and then drops it on the floor. Leaves it. Why would you do that? It's she like doesn't need it anymore. Okay. Well, you know what's why? more annoying is when that happens in a video game where you can't control it. Like if you use a, some sort of dagger or something to unlock a door, and then they drop it, and you still want that weapon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's it's just what it's like. What are you thinking? Like why? Like you don't have any weapons. Last, at least that was something. You know, anything. Why? Would you, mm-hmm. Maybe you need to unlock another door. You know, like why? Why would you, uh, it, I don't know, that it shouldn't bug you as much, but it's just one of those things, it's like, remember when Sam used, killed that White Walker that one time? 
And then we just <laughs> thought he left. He just left the dagger on the ground. Remember that? Turns out he took it with him, but we didn't know that yes. for like two seasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's just it, it, it. It's small things that it's like, and even cut to it like, even if you don't mention it again, right? Like she opens the door with the corkscrew. That's it. But like, why show her drop it on the floor? I don't know. Yeah, have her walk off screen with it, and then it's gone. So I thought when she got to the the tower, there'd be like another twist, right? Like she would get up to the tower, and there'd be she'd have like a, someone waiting for, her, um, like a guard had been posted there so that she couldn't do that or whatever, right? But no, she's able to do uh, light the the candle. She looks out and sees like the whole battle about to happen, and then um, so here's the thing. This is kind of this is kind of weird. I, we criticized the whole like Brienne turning her back on the candle thing, right? Um, even if she'd seen the candle, okay, let's say she had seen the candle, the stuff with Sansa, I feel like would have happened in the exact same way right? anyway. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It was a dumb plan. What is she going to do? She yeah, sees I a mean, candle in a window. She's going to jump, scale the walls and uh, like on her own, get Sansa out of there. Do it in the I first guess, place then. I, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I guess that was what her plan was. But so she lights the candle in like, you know, Maybe 10 minutes later, tops, maybe. I mean, I guess the whole battle happens, right? Before mm-hmm. she, she's in the tower the whole time. I guess maybe she's waiting. If she'd seen it, maybe she would have been able to use that time <clears throat> to scale the wall. Who knows? But it doesn't happen. So she's she's like trying now she's trying to get her, I guess, back to her room before she gets caught. Um, and as she turns around a corner on one of the battlements, um, she runs into Miranda, which is the uh, kettle... Uh, master's daughter the kennel master's daughter yeah. yeah we saw a couple seasons or episodes ago she's the girl with the uh, hip bones <laughs> yes exactly um and uh she has a bow and they kind of get like a standoff also yeah theon's there too so that's important to mention and sansa and again like this is another like person resigning herself to like just you know just kill me like which is actually a pretty big deal i don't think she, that's not something that people do lightly i don't think right she just admits like she just take kill me now so i don't have to end up like either of you crazy people um so that's the, just how bad ramsey is right like she would yeah. rather die than spend another day around him and it's it goes it's glossed over pretty quick because it moves on to something else very quickly but i think that's a pretty major thing to acknowledge anyway at least um so miranda has other plans apparently she's gonna like torture her some sort of um uh, like maiming of some kind, shoot her in the arm. I'm not really sure what her plan here is, actually. To be, I honest. think just incapacitate her and then let Ramsey torture her for as long as she he wants. Okay, so that seems okay. Yeah, it, it, along those lines. Either way, that's kind of what we figured. It's just unsettling. So, uh, at the last second, um, Theon gets his like, and this is what James Hibbard from the EW called it. I, th- I really liked it, so I took. I'm, I'm stealing it here. He reached his Vader-like point and throws her off the wall. Um, and if you look at it, it's very like no, that, Vader. No, that makes the most sense for sure. <laughs> no, and then lifts like strategy just lift her up over his head and th- throws him in off the wall. Um, the only thing that's more satisfying is that there's a splat at the bottom. Like she falls and it's like a yeah like a splat of blood. Um, and then like things started getting like they're out there. Okay, shit, they're coming back. We need to get out of here. Um, they're running around, don't know what to do. And then they decide their plan is to <laughs> jump off the wall. Which is weird because we just saw... After they just threw the girl off the wall. 
So I'm not sure what they're planning here. I guess the snow, maybe they're hoping, will break their fall. Yeah, I think that's the idea. But it's been melting. The other thing, it, the show, the, uh, the snow should have been a little bit higher because that was a, still a huge jump, and that's not how snow works. <laughs> well, I mean, snow does work that way. Actually, you can jump off pretty high. You can jump off. It would need to be a lot of snow. Off. Yeah. I mean, and it's all about, like, your technique is, like, how would you land? Maybe, like, mm-hmm. you want to be able to have as much snow absorb the fall as possible. Like, you wouldn't want to jump in, like, you would like mm-hmm. feet first, right? You'd want to kind of almost land, like, try, trying to absorb as much of the impact as possible, right? I don't know. I'm not sure what the logistics of snow diving are, but... In the, in the books, a similar thing happens. Obviously, it's not Sansa because she's not there yet, but... Or ever. But <clears throat> the snow... They mentioned the snow is, like, more than, like, halfway up the wall. It's huge. So it's not that much of a jump. So it, it's much more believable. Yeah, so I don't know, like... And then the way they cut here is, like, they just, like... Ha- literally, they're in midair, which is, like... Again, that's pretty cheap as well. Like, you're going to leave us up for a year with them, like, literally suspended in midair. <laughs> so, um, like, I, that's annoying to me. I mean, I don't know how it's going to play out next year. You can't imagine they're just going to land and everything's going to be fine. You know, I feel like someone's leg's going to be broken or... Or mm-hmm. both of their legs are broken. I wonder, like, my wondering is here is like, I don't think you do this whole Theon redemption thing if they're just gonna be caught again by Ramsay, right? If they jump off the wall, you think that it's most likely you think that they're gonna like survive. At least one of them will, and yeah. um, and be and able go to where? actually escape. I I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Maybe break like. Um, James Hibbert again uh, from the EW who brought up the thought that you know Brienne is really close by maybe she'll see the light in the thing and then maybe they'll be like she'll be there close enough she's close enough that maybe she'll be able to help in some way I guess yeah um, but that's again that's unclear um, I don't like again the, the plan here is a little sketchy but like they didn't really have much choice right um, like they literally had moments to just make a, a decision mm-hmm. so I mean again I don't think I don't think if you're gonna cut mid like midair, if the first scene next season is not is like yeah, they pick up midair and then <laughs> and they just fall to their death, like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. No, right? for sure. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure they'll be okay. It's just a, a weird way to, to cut it, but that's fine. Yeah, I don't like uh, ending on cliffhangers like that. That's a huge one, yeah. actually. I mean, did what and what did I say, Dan? This episode would have more traditional cliffhangers than any of the uh, previous seasons. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, I'm just saying. I predicted it. Um, So, anything else you want to mention about uh, anything happening at Winterfell? Uh, I mean, you already mentioned that you felt like it was a bit of a a disappointment. Um, Mm. But anything else? Like, overall, I I still really like this episode overall, but that that is for sure the weak point for me. Uh, uh, Or for this season, rather, is the weak point is the Winterfell stuff, which should have been bigger. had the capacity to be bigger. Well, I guess we should mention more about like the Theon thing, right? I mean, it's been seasons in the making, I guess now, um, where we like we really didn't like Theon at one. We, we liked him enough at one point. I mean, he was just like the ward, right? Just hang, he was well, kind he of was, around. You he was kind of a douche back that. then. Yeah, he was a, but he, but he wasn't even around really. He was a, kind of a minor character in the first season, right? Um, then yeah. second season, things kind of pick up a bit more. Um, we really don't like him by the end of that season um third season even less so but then we had to deal with him getting tortured we're not really didn't really enjoy that very much um fourth season is very it's like we're like you know he's not even the same character really anymore 
do you really do you still be like hold a grudge for what he did to those farm boys yes and no but you still kind of feel more bad for him than you do then uh, yeah it gets to the point that it's like yeah he's done bad but he's paid for it and i don't yeah. want to see any more bad happen to him right so and and at the beginning of this season we kind of start the arc towards the redemption uh side of things with the return of sansa right so it took the entire season but we got there do you think it was done effectively do you think it was uh properly paid off like was it did it happen too soon um they, they, they did a decent job with that I, I i didn't like a lot of the we talked about this in previous podcasts about like the very controversial scenes with sansa and theon mm-hmm. but um <clears throat> i think it, it, they did a good job in that it didn't come out like he he didn't automatically just become a hero you know he just lashed out he just it was a vis like just an emotional reaction and then he's like oh shit i shouldn't have done that and then they had to you know figure out a plan yeah. So he he hasn't been redeemed yet. It's just that he's he's started along that path. He's been thinking about it for a while, probably judging by his you know the confliction on his face, and now he's finally acted. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yes, it's the first step on the road to redemption. Yes. I guess. But the idea, the fact that he's done something at all, is a pretty big step, I'd say. Um, I think it's I think it's it's a well paid off. It's earned, I think. Um, just based off of what we've seen this whole season with the return of Sansa, I mean, Alfie Allen's done a pretty great, has done a pretty good job with the performance um, by making it pretty like clear that he had he is conflicted. His face, even though he's still doing the like twitchiness and stuff, you kind of can still see that there's a bit of Theon in there still, and he's still and there is confliction, even though he's done things that have like really screwed over Sansa like a couple times, right? Um, you got to think that that moment, like the moments that led up to it, the big ones obviously being when he, he was there to marry off Sansa and was mm-hmm. named Theon again. That was a probably, probably a big moment uh, that led to this. Uh, the things that he saw, like remember that they guess they grew up together, right? So he has he has that part of it as well. So the things that he saw with Ramsay and, and Sansa must have torn on him as well. And the part where, you know, he turned like portrayed her so those are all the moments that lead up to it so i think in in a, overall i think it it it, it works um right. i think there'll be a lot of people out there who kind of like you know that's too obvious like this is like that's it's too class it's too simple like obviously that's gonna happen and you know was it was what happened with sansa on screen worth this moment <coughs> people argue yes and no i don't i'm kind of on the fence about whether you know I mean, I've backpedaled a lot since my, my first comments about that whole thing, but mm-hmm. whether that need to happen or not, um, I think what happens here, based on that stuff, is at least makes it a little bit more worthwhile. You know what I mean? I feel like what happened here would have been just as good without the the rape scene, you know, or without the proto rape scene. Yeah. But again, uh, we don't need to get into that. That's it's no. happened. It's done. Don't have to like it. Whatever. Yeah, so let's, uh, in, on that happy note, let's continue the happiness and move to Bravos. Um, and I just want to mention before we start here that we totally called it, um, like, in pretty much all aspects of this whole story, it, except for the end, ending part of it. So um, Arya disguises herself as, like, a young prostitute to get herself close enough to Mirren Trant to get her revenge. Um, and I think that's she's even using the same, the mask of that same girl that died of the cancer. I, I think cancer. Um, which I think I even called as well last week. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not positive, but I'm like 95 percent sure. I did I haven't gone back and like compared them, but like it would it would make like theatrical sense, you know, for that th- them to do mm-hmm. it that way. 
Um, and so anyway, the, the scene itself, you know, she she's disguised, whatever. She takes off the mask. And it's a pretty brutal death scene. This is the second major death, although for sure. Trent, you wouldn't say is a major, has been a major character for, you know, a minor character for seasons, but it's a major death for Arya to commit it, um, that murder anyway. Stabs him in both eyes, which I think I might have something to do with what happens later, but, well, I'm not sure. Um, stabs him in both eyes and, like, then in the chest a bunch of times. Um, and then she does this weird thing, another, like, classic movie like television trope i did a couple of these that are like cliche where she like asks him questions but like he has no ability to answer because he has something stuck in his mouth like that's <laughs> like how many times have you seen that in like a movie like you're like i can't hear you it's like of course you can't hear them you stuffed something in their fucking mouth how the hell are they supposed to answer your goddamn questions you know um that i that one again it doesn't bug me as much i think it's just more that's just funny that they use that cliche mm-hmm She's um, more just letting it all out at that point. She doesn't really even want the answers. Yeah, right? so she um, calls herself Arya Stark, murders the shit out of him, um, gets back, uh, puts back the mask, and then she has this like smug look on her face when she does it too, right before she gets caught. And we're like, again, we called it, there's no way that Jackin's not going to know what you did, right? Or that you lied to him. Um, so... Jackin and the girl that's been kind of like riding her ass this whole season are like, kind of like, told you she wasn't ready. She's like, look what she did. And then like, Jackin comments her about like, hey, um, you killed the wrong person. He didn't deserve to die, although we would maybe disagree. It's not about deserving or not deserving. He wasn't meant to die. Yeah, okay. So he, and then the line is, uh, uh, death must be paid with life. Um, which is weird because he kills himself, which is, I don't understand. So is it, death be paid with his, with a life? Like you have to take another person's life? So <clears> like the rule is if someone, if someone dies, that's not supposed to die. Someone else has to die, which seems like an odd rule. It does because like in theory, that person wasn't also supposed to die. <laughs> yeah. So it just, cre- it just creates a chain of like, well, just I, I don't know. The way to look at it other. is like you kill someone who wasn't meant to die yet. So it creates a void and that void has to be filled with someone else's life. Okay. But like, so the, that means like there's someone sh- like something should be born, not killed. But I mean, it, it, I'm just being I'm just nitpicking mm-hmm. uh, here. Um, well, that's the way it worked with Daenerys and stuff. Right? Yeah. So um, the last part, I don't I'm not I don't quite I'm not quite sure what's going on. Maybe you have a better idea. Um, so Jackin kills himself. Um, Arya's upset because she's like, oh, I think she lost another friend. Um, and then the the um the girl's like well you thought he was your friend blah 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 she turns around it's not the girl anymore it's jackin again you're like what's going on she turns back to the other guy uh to the other guy and starts pulling faces off of him and it's just like face after face after face which is like super like first of all it's like it's like ghost faces too it's not even like kind of like when she put it back it was it looked like a it looked like just like a mission impossible mask right yeah and then instead when he pulled she's pulling them off it's like literally like they're like wisping off into nothingness as she's pulling them off and then we have another star wars-esque moment uh here where she gets to another face and it's it's her face on this other person's body which is very much like the luke seeing his face in the vader mask Mm -hmm. on dagobah i don't know if they did this intentionally but that's two like very like distinct star wars moments Right? I mean, I don't, I don't think they did it intentionally to be like Star Wars. But. Uh, maybe. I mean, like even Arya's face on the other guy's face has like that same like dumb look of like fakeness on it that 
Luke's face had in the Vader mask, but whatever. Um, so Arya goes blind. I, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm missing something here. Um, I'm, I'm not following it exactly. Does it? Is there something I'm missing? Did someone? Is there a moment? Is there a line of dialogue that I maybe missed or something? Why is she going blind here? Do you know? The, the way I interpret it. Is, okay. First of all, I don't think it's because she stabbed Marin Chan's eyes. That's whatever. But um, I think it's basically because she used the mask when she wasn't ready. Oh. So that, that's the way I interpret it. So the mask to her was just a mask, but to the faceless men, like they can they can use them at any time. I guess that's what I always I always kind of assume reading the books that there's an element of magic to the faceless men. They're not literally just putting on a mask and going out and killing someone, yeah. right? Because that's that's too you know that's too grounded and easy. So there's there's an element of magic to it. So I guess the idea of becoming a faceless man once you're finally ready is that you you lose your own face and you don't have your own face. You have to oh, every day you're spending in another person's face. You you lose your own identity, right? You just work for the for the faceless god, the god of death, whatever, right? So I'm I'm assuming she used the mask too early and it made her go blind. So we'll see what happens. It, it's uh, it, this happens again. This happens in the novels, but in, in a different fashion. I thought he was going to feed her that uh, liquid and then that would make her go blind because she does drink something and then goes to sleep and wakes up and can't see. But whatever. I like the way they did this. Yeah. The faces the faces looked a little goofy, especially when the wave has Jackin's head on her little body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. I, it, the way they did it was like Daredevil kind of like the way she like looked up and then like the face like that starts going like uh, uh, like fading away. Mm-hmm. Very much almost exactly like they they did the blind scene in Daredevil, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think there was a sign. I I think I I'm not sure, but there was a line maybe about how the mask is poison to to those who aren't initiated or whatever. But I'm not sure. So I was a little confused. But if that's that does make sense, that um, I'm glad someone made made sense of that uh, for me. Um, also, here I just thought of this now. <clears throat> The other way to think about it is, it's another step on her becoming a faceless man. She's losing Arya's eyes, so she has no one's eyes, right? She has to become no one, mm. so she's losing that piece of Arya, because she sees the world through those eyes, and she sees Marin yeah. Trant as her enemy when he's not her enemy anymore, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's actually the coolest way of looking at it. <laughs> I didn't that didn't even occur to me. I like that. I mean, I kind of thought that after the my kind of my thought was that after she went blind here. Her ability to be a, like a faceless murderer assassin would be like diminished. Like, how do you do that if you can't, you know, if you can't see? So, I mean, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think that maybe you put on another one person's face, you may be able to use their eyes. That it's definitely interesting. So, I don't know either. It's just speculation. But, but I like that. I like that idea. Um, I gotta mention though that I, I'm really not that upset about this whole like whole fate thing. Like, I wasn't really that like, oh shit, Arya's blind now. Like. Because, like I said before, in this like uh, about this whole storyline, is that ever since she re- reached Bravos, everything she's been doing this season, even killing Miran Trent, feels so detached from the rest of the story overall uh, that it doesn't really feel like that much of a like a major loss of any kind to the major story, right? Yeah. Um, Not yet. I just I feel like Arya eventually like, she's going to have a huge role to play at some point. Well, I, you'd hope so, right? But. I've lost all hope in that there being any. Um, That's true too. Like, like I'm, I'm at the point now. Like, Daenerys could just die somewhere in Essos, and no one would know. And in, in Westeros, and like, that could be the way he decides to write it, and then fuck, right? Yeah. Like, at this point, it's like literally, it's like there's no, there's no hope for anyone. We might as well just give up now and like and just agree to 
agree that the show is just too depressing to watch and just move on. Um, but I guess we won't for now. We'll, we'll talk about Dorn, which, <laughs> yay. Um, so we're in Dorn, and aren't we glad that this Dorn storyline is finally coming to an end? Like, to be honest here, like, finally, you are right. I am. I mean, I don't. Is how many? Are you? You enjoy Dorn this season? I enjoyed. Uh, nice. I enjoyed pieces of Dorn. Doran Martell was awesome. I liked a little bit of the interplay. I liked seeing the Sans things. I wanted a bit more out of them, but like they're still minor characters at this point. I don't know how much that's going to pay off if it ever does. Um, there's definitely a lot missing out of the Dorner storyline. It's focusing mostly on Jamie and Braun, which whatever, give Braun more screen time. Yeah, yeah. I'm always, I'm always a fan of giving Braun more uh, screen time. Always. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just feel like this whole thing just felt so like, I mean, it ends on an interesting note, which I like, but it felt like a lot of, a lot of work to get to this one moment that actually feels like it actually paid off, you know? Mm-hmm. what we've been this is the this is like an, in, an inciting uh moment that can cause other things right but everything that's happened so far has been very boring to be honest um <laughs> dorn we've barely barely seen any of it we've seen a one set one beach and then we saw the water gardens which is a lovely place like a really cool set um but it's just not you know y- you want more like you don't have there's no sense of like what the Dornish people are actually like. There's no sense of like what Dorn as a place is actually like, unless, except it, unless it's just a giant desert. Um, well, a lot of so, it is, but they, yeah, they, you're right. They didn't really focus. They didn't even go to Sunspear, right? That's why in the opening credits it just says Dorn. It doesn't even say a city because they haven't really. They've been to the Water Gardens, and that's about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm. Let's just get. Like, why don't we just get to the point where like things get good, and then we can, um, mm-hmm. and then we can speculate on what's actually going to happen. So. This scene is actually pretty quick where they're, uh, Jamie and the Dornish are, you know, they're saying their goodbyes. Um, Tristan and Marcella get on the, get on the ship after, um, uh, what's her name? Alaria. After Alaria gives her like a kiss on the lips. And even then you're kind of like, that's weird. That's a weird. It was a little weird because it's not like a common thing to happen at anywhere at the point in the series, even for the Dornish. Yeah. So you're like, hmm, okay. Um, and, but you're like, okay, well maybe she, who knows? At that point, you didn't. You, I don't think anyone was predicting. No, I hundred percent. Like, <laughs> again, I had a bunch of people over, and a couple of the girls were like, "Oh, it's poison." And my girlfriend actually said it's like that Batman movie, and I got really mad at her because that's the worst Batman movie. But oh, Batman, <laughs> Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that's that, that that was the first thing that she thought of when she saw that kiss. If only she was wearing wax lips. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible movie. Oh, and your least favorite actress, I think, too, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she, so wait, they actually did predict it? I did not, I didn't see that coming, but. I yeah, a few people did. So, they get on the boat, um, Braun gets a goodbye from, uh, that other, uh, Tyene. Tyene. One of the, the, the only developed Sand Snake, <laughs> and, uh. I thought that was it's just, it's just another funny like it's just another comp like comedic relief moment which I think is important for that moment for that scene. They get on the boat and they get maybe like like half a mile offshore and Jamie has if a nice that, convers- yeah. yeah nice conversation with uh, with Marcella. He's he's like we're like oh she's finally gonna tell her what you know that he's her father and she's kind of getting there and he's like she kind of stops him and says you know don't you don't you don't have to say I already know and I'm okay with it and you know I'm happy about it which is weird because you know like she like 
had that last scene where she like stomped out of the room like you don't know me at all but i guess that's how teenagers are right for sure kind of like and they missed an opportunity for another star wars moment there just so you know why what what could they have used the marcella i am your father and she'd be like no (laughs) no (laughs) and then she'd die I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that would be a little bit. On it would have been a bit much, yeah. <laughs> he even like does the voice. He's like, like "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, no, it's good. <laughs> Stop saying it like that. Um, anyway, so she, the nose starts to bleed. And you're like, "Oh shit, this is not, this isn't good." And like he's like, "Marcella, Marcella, Marcella." So here's what I think happens on the boat after she dies. Okay, I think Braun comes down, figures out what he's like, oh, I know this, this is like classic Sand Snake's poison symptoms. I know mm-hmm. full, he knows full well what's going on there. Um, my question here is, I mean, beyond the fact that I think it was a really nice scene that Jamie had with his daughter right before they died, which classic Game of Thrones, always give a nice father-daughter scene before you mm-hmm. kill the daughter. Um, <laughs> but um, this is where the story actually, this is what I mentioned, this is where the story actually gets interesting. So, they are they are on the boat. They have Tristan, right, or Chris Tristane, whatever Tristane, however they yeah. call it. And now with Marcella dead, Tristane now becomes a bargaining chip in the same way Marcella was to the door or to Ilaria when um, Oberyn died, right? Um, so, unless the whole ship is maybe like maybe she has paid off the dudes on the ship, they're going to kill Bronn and Jamie too. I'm not sure. I, it seems unlikely, um, but. What's Alaria's plan in the long run? Was it just pure revenge? Because if that's the case, she really fucked up. <laughs> like she's just now she's gonna she's gonna die now for sure because we all know how um, King um, uh, Doran believes in what he thinks about third chances, right? He, Prince this Dragon. last episode we know, like he's gonna find out. There's no there's no denying that, right? Yeah. And not only did she put uh, Tristane in danger by doing that she also put her whole kingdom or her like her whole yeah kingdom in danger the whole, i guess not the kingdom her country in yeah, danger her, by essentially inciting the realm, the war. Yeah. um for sure this is an act of war and for sure she did it purely out of vengeance there's there's no larger game here for her i don't think that was, was revenge like, for would... Oberyn's death it was revenge against a lannister i mean i'm sh- i'm sure she's th- kind of thought it through she's probably not going to go back to duran and tell her what she did I'm sure her and the Sand Snakes will go into hiding or maybe even try to get to King's Landing and cause more havoc, but it, it was for sure vengeance. Yeah, okay, so the other Sand Snakes are obviously in on this, I guess. It seems like, like it, yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It just seems like it seems really... I, don't know, I guess the Dornish are impulsive people, but it just seems really impulsive and not fully thought out here. That has um, been her character this entire time, though. She kind of acts out of emotion rather than a reason. Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, so I guess she gets what she wants. She got to kill Marcella, which she's been trying to do all season. Um, the fallout from this, I think, will be interesting. I think really that's what we have, we have to look forward to. I think Doran is smart, or Doran is smart enough to know what happened here. I mean, he's gonna know yes, that Alari was. But I don't know what he can do about it at this point. It's out of his hands. Yeah, is he gonna be? Is he gonna say, okay, let's do it? Let's all right, let's war it out over what this stupid girl did, killing like you know like. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, obviously he's not going to just let Tristane get killed, but they don't have, he doesn't have much control over that either because mm-hmm. now he's in their custody. Right. My question is, what does Jamie do? Because how does, does he, he can't really just somewhat return to King's Landing with a dead Marcella. 
to come to Cer- like that's not going to work, especially with what happens with Cersei n- this week. Mm-hmm. That's like that's just not going to pay off. Does maybe Jamie not return to King's Landing and or, or I, if I was him, I wouldn't. I, I'd be like, you just avoid the whole thing. Well, where there's else not, is he going to go? Nothing left for you there, and just kind of like back the hell out and just like maybe ask them to sail to Essos. <laughs> to Essos. Or just go back to Castle Rock, I guess. But I don't know. I see Jamie going back to King's Landing and trying to find a solution here. But yeah, I said right away as soon as this happened, I'm like, that that's war. That's an act of war. Also hasn't happened in the books. It was unexpected. But um, I, it, yeah, that's the end. There's there's no relationship between the Lannisters and the Martells anymore. There, there can't yeah. be. Um, and you just mentioned the one last thing. I mentioned this earlier, but the scene with Bronn and the Sand Snakes in the dungeon where she where he put where braun is poisoned is paid off here because then you instantly know what's happening yeah. you don't have to waste uh exposition on um explaining that she's poisoned and then with uh, alaria taking the antidote you kind of instantly because yeah, it would have been happening. ridiculous if that just happened and then she swigged this bottle and then she's all fine yeah so and that's 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 good i'm glad that they redeemed that but i mean i'm still not happy about the the hand slapping scene so Sorry, Mike. Uh, you, I know you wrote in about your theory, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not yet convinced. I'm not yet convinced. So I was fine with that scene. It's not that bad. Okay. Well, at least you have someone on your side. Um, Marine. So all of Daenerys's cabinet. I'm gonna call them <laughs> her cabinet. Are just kind of lost. They're, like they're literally just sitting there, like lost puppies, on like on the stairs. Um, on the bright side, uh, none of them died. Um, when she abandoned them in the middle of the uh, of the Coliseum, so that's a that's a that's a plus. And Grey Worm was back. I don't know so how much she, control she had over that. Like, it wasn't her abandoning them so much as Joe Gon leaving. Just, well, was why she gonna let she go? Didn't have to get on the back of the dragon either. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, so they decide. Uh, like Jorah Jor and Tyrion have a little spat because obviously Jorah is still pissed off that he kind of like betrayed him although at the same time how really upset can you be you did kidnap him so you know i think they're even <laughs> um so the two uh jorah and um uh what's his name dario they decide they're, they're gonna go look for danny right okay that makes sense they're the only two that are really equipped to do that because Grey worm is injured um and then the decision is that um Tyrion and Grey worm are gonna stay behind to like rule Marine while they're away, and Missandei, yeah, and Missandei as well. It was helpful, so that's not that, that actually is plans go not the worst. Actually, yes, except like Tyrion's pretty new for all of them to trust him this much. Yeah, to but we know he's pretty city. smart too. Yeah, it's just it's a weird thing. They're like, yeah, well, you can just have the city while we go, and he was there like he got there what a couple weeks ago. Well, yeah, that's why you leave Grey Worm, right? That's the I think that's the idea in their head. Anyway. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it does seem a little like rushed the whole thing with Tyrion looking back at it you know is a bit quick like the way like the way he's quickly accepted into the inner fold like the inner Mm -hmm. circle and then is like pretty much right away accepted as one of them is a little rushed and maybe would have a little bit more nuance there would have been a little nice um but at the same time we get to have these kinds of scenes so you know it's It's tough to say because like Yes, I've I've said this a lot this entire season. If everything feels very rushed, they're getting to the big parts of the stories. Mind you, the stuff that they're skipping over in the books, a lot of it's fairly monotonous, right? It doesn't work for TV. You can't have a scene with with Sansa at the Eyrie for an entire season, you know, or 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 Tyrion just in in a slave camp somewhere and like some people get sick and he's just a slave for a while, you know? Yeah. 
So I understand why they're skipping over it. It just it inherently makes it feel very rushed. Well, I, I as far as I understand, they're making some of these changes, like you said, for for story reasons. What I understand is about this, the book is that Tyrion almost meets Danny, and then doesn't, mm-hmm. which like, yes. which I think is dumb. <laughs> it's like don't tease that kind of stuff over and over, and it's just like just do it already, like. So the fact that you skip that whole thing and you get to it is is good. Well, he's he, I think um, George Martin himself said it's going to happen in the sixth book that they are going to meet. I think. Well, you'd hope so. <laughs> or he or he alluded to. He he probably didn't say it outright, but he alluded to it. But yeah, like Tyrion, he he gets close and then doesn't. Okay. Well, either way, that that kind of stuff you couldn't get away with in a show. I don't think that'd be one of those kind of things where it's like how convenient, you know. So. Um, Anything else you want to mention about... I guess that we should mention that uh, Varys turns up. Yeah. Uh, Tyrion's watching uh, uh, the two guys go off to find Danny, and uh, Varys shows up, and uh, they have a really nice little dialogue about how like how they're going to kind of manage the city. And uh, and then Varys gets a nice line and pretty much says what we're all thinking about these kinds of scenes in general of these two together is, uh, you know, I did miss you. Yeah. Which uh, I thought was pretty apropos. Which is nice, but also... You understand Varys is a man of means, but how did he just get in there, and how is he going to just also be accepted as part of the the inner circle and help yeah. run the city? You know what I mean? Especially considering what Daenerys has mentioned about him like multiple times. Exactly, like, oh, the he... spy master, blah blah blah, and the guy who tried to kill me. Um, although Tyrion did kind of like try to like put like you know pump him up a bit, you know, pump his tires bit. a little. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think. We'll just one thing at a time. I think yeah. they'll actually make a pretty good pair taking care of uh, Marine. <laughs> it's like if only we had. I knew someone who had lots of spies. <laughs> I, I just I like that scene a lot. It's, you forget like you, we kind of took it for granted because we got some of those scenes early in the this, this season where they're just kind of chatting in the um, their box and those uh, like while they're being carried around, which were actually pretty amazing. But when they were gone, we kind of missed them, and with him back, you you got a lot more. You kind of appreciate the Varys and Tyrion dynamic a lot more. So, let's move on to... There's three more storylines to, to cover. Two big ones and one little one. Um, Danny, Somewhere in Essos, I guess, still? Honestly, yeah. it looks like the Iron Islands almost a little bit, hey? Where, they, uh, where she ends up? It's just sort of like a grassland plateau sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't... You don't really know where. But I'm just saying it, it, that's it, that's the look I got. I'm like, oh, maybe they're maybe we're gonna get a little tease of the Iron Islands here. We haven't seen that in a long time or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> that'd be a lot of flying for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like she did a lot of flying anyway. Um, Drogon dropped. I was like hanging, like just apparently fed himself and is now gonna take a nap. And they're um, they're in the middle of nowhere, essentially. Um, and <laughs> I thought it was. I kind of loved seeing Danny trying to like get on his back and like ended up backwards. And then, like, fall off. Because she's trying to, like... She's trying to get him to go. It's like trying to get a dog to go for a walk that doesn't want to go for a walk. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought... Again, it was pretty funny. The way that they, they do the drag is kind of like a mix between, like, dogs and cats. Like, sometimes they're very cat-like. Other times they're, like, more dog-like and they're, like, obedience and the way they act. I, I just like the way that they've, they've decided to, like, emote the dragons. Um, like how he kind of uses his, like, his wing as, like, a like a blanket to, like, shield his eyes and he goes to sleep. <laughs> Um. So, you gotta you gotta wonder here, like, what's Danny kind of thinking? Like, what's her? Why is she just off on a stroll in the middle of nowhere? Well, she did mention that she she needs to eat too, and there's no food there. Yeah, I guess, but she can't control Drogon, so she can't make him go get her food. So maybe she's just looking for food. 
or yeah, just getting a bearing on her surroundings, right? Like, couldn't you just stand from the top of that plateau and see that there's no food around? You know, like that's, no. I don't know. I, it just seems like it was a, like stick closer to your dragon. So in case you ever get surrounded by thousands of horseback, people on horseback, you at least have a chance, you know, who um, came out of nowhere, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. If, like there's the scene there's like a, a pretty like a wide shot of of her being surrounded and then there's some cg horsemen coming out but they're like coming out from behind like rocks <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's honestly like it's a video game and they're spawning there yeah it's like it's a, a monster closet yeah um so yeah so she she sees like dothraki horsemen she hears a horse she sees dothraki horsemen you're like oh dothraki i haven't seen those in a while and then she takes off her ring and drops it i guess presumably so that someone can track her or find yeah. her yeah but if you ever drop something in the middle of a field, the chances of ever finding it are, like, slim to none. Of course, they wouldn't show us her doing that if they weren't going to find it. So and you I can expect maybe... Jorah and Dario to find it next yeah, season. right. But it just seems like that's a, that's a stretch. I mean, maybe, I mean, what else is she going to do, I guess? But, like, the chances that someone would find... Or it wouldn't be just trampled and buried into the, into the, the ground With by all the horses. horses? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, she gets surrounded by, like thousands of horseback i mean i guess we forgot how big the dothraki like horde is Mm -hmm. and i guess you really can't call something a horde unless there's like thousands of them so it's fair so so what this this is a different kalasar right because she was with uh kal drogo there are other kalasars it's unclear in the show whose it is but uh yeah she's captured by dothraki and who knows what's gonna happen well the dothraki like to rape people so i imagine there'll be some raping (laughs) i'm not to make light of it again, sorry, but like, that's probably not what's going to happen. We already know full well that Daenerys doesn't, or the actress who plays Daenerys, doesn't even get naked anymore on the show. She's sure her it's that's below her pay grade now. So I wouldn't, I would be surprised if some, if something like that was going to happen next season, or if she wasn't rescued fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, here, I'm not sure what to like as far as predictions for next season um, on on this storyline go. Maybe. Um, I don't know, maybe she's able to convince them to join her fight, although she almost managed to do that last time, so I don't. I feel like that's probably unlikely. I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. To be okay, honest. so I mean, I have my own speculations, my own theories. This is also kind of where we leave Daenerys in the fifth book. This is her last okay. chapter, Is she is, you know, surrounded by Dothraki. Okay. So basically all the storylines have caught up, more or less. Okay. Um. The way I see it is, I th- I, I, I kind of do want her to take over this Kalasar, kill the leaders, they follow the strong, and then she would have that army with her. How's she gonna do that, Drogon? Well, yeah, exactly. Drogon's gonna be the one who's gonna come save her. Okay. I, I don't know, man. I, that's a. I feel like that's a bit of a stressor. Like that's what I was thinking. I just don't. I just don't see the logistics well, like, of that. There's so much. It is Drogon. In the books, like there's so much prophecy about, uh, you know, to go forward, you must go back. Like she has to keep going back to her roots essentially mm. so she's gonna become more of a targaryen now it's gonna be blood and fire it's like she's gonna be on a, a rampage so to go back she might have to go back to vis dothrak which is where they would take her anyways yeah i don't know it, that's that's a theory but i i have a i just have a feeling that daenerys is going to come out of this on top like she always seems to fall into a solution that works best for her yeah, don't you always feel like things for her just seem to work out? Yeah, she's never lifted a sword in her life, but she ends up having, like, the biggest army. Like, she always just ends up, like, it's some happy mistake. Now she has the... Un- well, the Unsullied wasn't a mistake, but, like, now she has these ships, or now th- these swords decide to come to her cause, or now these Dothraki are going to follow her, you know? Like, she's just going to be amassing this huge army, because 
all of us, book readers and show watchers alike, want her to eventually get to Westeros with a giant army and win, like and and you know take over. I don't right? know if that's necessarily true. If we want her to win again, like over everyone else, I just think that that's where the story gets interesting again is when she finally decides to leave Essos, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, is there anything else you want to mention about Danny? I'm I'm kind of. This. What do you think about how about this? How, what, what do we think of her storyline this season? It was it's very lackluster. I think this season. That's pretty. It's been a pretty common theme for us. This this whole this whole episode with wrapping up all these storylines is that not many of them really hit in like a really, you know. Well, the stuff at the wall does. Yes. Yes. And I would say the stuff at King, we'll King's Landing does. Yes. Well, I mean, that's two. You just named two storylines. The two big ones, though, right? Like yeah. this, this Danny thing, like this entire season, her, her, her big uh, coup de grace was last episode where she left off the dragon. This is just a little tease towards next season, right? Yeah, this little I mean, five minute scene doesn't mean anything. No, it just sets up next season cliffhanger again, yeah. right? But um, yeah, I don't know. Like you're right, the stuff in King's Landing does pay off. The stuff at the wall does pay off. But like you have to like the stuff at uh, Castle. Uh, Winterfell doesn't really. Mm-hmm. The stuff uh, with Arya doesn't really. No. Um, it's okay. I, it's nothing. Well, the stuff with crazy. Arya isn't exactly a conclusion, right? It feels like they kind of left her story in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, the stuff with Tyrion again kind of feels like the middle of the story, not so much the the yeah, end of anything. Up in the air. Yeah. So I mean, it, there's certain. I guess you can't conclude everything at the end of one season, right? <clears throat> so it makes sense. But at the same time, I just feel like. This season as a whole maybe wasn't as strong as uh, as we hoped. These last three episodes, though, probably some of the best episodes. Absolutely. On, on the eight, nine, ten were series. huge, but the rest of the season didn't, you know, yeah, work. Which, which was classic. Well, I, it, not that it didn't work. It's just more. That was more classic. That's more like season two Game of Thrones, right? Season one, season two, where the first half of three quarters of the season is more is a lot of build up. Um, yeah. And you know, to be to be honest, I do. We appreciate those dialogue scenes. Um, but we appreciate we appreciate them even more when something actually comes of them, right? So, all right, down to the last two. We have King's Landing. Cersei is in the the black cells. She finally agrees to confess. They've been telling her to confess for episodes now. Um, she's she's brought before the High Sparrow uh, on her knees and admits uh, to her 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 little. Like thing with Lancel, so it's important to note here that she's still lying about Jamie mm-hmm. um, and the uh, King Robert. And they really, did, yeah, they didn't even mention anything else about the regicide. Like that, in my mind, would be the most important one, right? Not maybe not in the eyes of the Seven, but or whatever. Okay, I agree, but that they they'll go with what she's admitted to so far, and then go from there. Um, so she's free to go. After she ha- her atonement, okay. So that's that's the again that's important. So um, just like the High Septon, which you might you forgot, the High Septon was like paraded in the streets naked um, earlier this season uh, for something similar, not quite the same. But uh, Cersei is her hair is cut like she's like essentially shaved like right like very short as short as you can get with a knife blade, I guess. Um, and she's brought out in rags in front of, I guess, pretty much everyone in King's Landing, like just like the peasants, right? Yeah, like the commoners. And um, she has to make a walk of shame 
to uh, back to her home at, in, at uh, the Red Keep. I love the shot where she looks up and sees the Red Keep in the distance. It really gives you an idea of how far she has to go. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really it was really well done. Um, There's a couple of those where she's like halfway, and then she looks up, yeah. and like that gets her going again. Yeah, I mean, so she's then stripped naked and has to walk, right? So we 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 talked about that a little, but um, I don't know. Like, what do you, do you what do you feel about this whole scene? Like. Uh, I, was it too much for you? It was a bit much for me, I think. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's pretty gross, all this shit that's happening to her. You, it's not that she doesn't deserve it. It's that you don't need to linger that long. But it, it, it does a good job of, you know, showing how long a walk it is, right? Like, we were really feeling kind of like Cersei towards the end. Like, you just want this to be done and over with. And yeah. it was painful towards the end, even I, though it's Cersei. Yeah, so I really like Lena Headey's performance. I think it's important to note that... Um, that's not Lena Headey in all her glory um, during this scene. She's actually, um, it's her face digitally stitched on to a body double um, for the walk. So it's not actually her naked. That's Although I didn't notice that. I mean, so apparently some people did. I didn't notice. but um, so I didn't even like think to look for that. <laughs> yeah. So just in, for those wondering. Um, I liked her, her performance as much as she could perform like with her face. Um I, I like the, you know, she gets halfway, her feet are bloodied, she falls, um, looks up to see, like, her home is, you know, not far, but she's, like, she's really broken down, she's, but she, she does make the, she does finish the walk, which is, I think, important. Um, mm. I don't, God, they must have paid that body double a lot of money. You think? Because, like, I remember saying after the episode, like, I don't care who you are, if you're an actress and you have to do that, like that's not acting. Like you're you're going through that. Sh- people are throwing, even though it's fake shit. It's like they're throwing crap at your naked body. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. I, that would have been a tough scene to act. Yeah, I mean, like the stuff that that she has to go through. Yeah, she's getting stuff thrown at her. Like people are like flashing her. Um, it, it's like you have the plus you have the lady with the bell just like walking behind her saying shame, shame, yeah. shame, which is like the way she said it, like the exact same way every time was like really unsettling to me. Did you like? Did you notice that? <laughs> I guess I don't. I, I hate that lady. It it didn't have. It did also didn't have like a consistent like. It, to me, I couldn't find like a consistent pattern. Like she wouldn't say shame three times. Yeah, she was just. She was ringing it and saying shame. Yeah, and then and, and, and sometimes it was a double ring, and then sometimes it was just one ring, and yeah, I, I, maybe they did that on purpose to kind of keep you off balance. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if so, they did they, they did a good they job worked. of that. But I, I yeah, so I really don't like Cersei. I've been very vocal about how I disliked her um as her character um through this whole pretty much ever since the beginning of the show and the same time this this is just you know kudos to the show for making you feel bad for someone that you've hated for your the entire length of the the show's run Mm -hmm. um you can't help but to feel bad for her here even though at the same time you get this you you don't kind of i mean depends on how much you hated cersei if you really hated her, maybe you enjoyed watching the scene. I don't. It's hard to imagine people enjoyed it. I, it's um, one it's, of those things it's, like it's, it's, it's so terrible that like, even if you enjoy it at first, you don't enjoy it by the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you think she deserved this um, treatment or this this punishment? Is, is this worthy of the things that she's done? I, I to some degree, I think this is. I mean, yeah, I say it, for the most part, it is. I think she kind of deserves worse, but like in a different way. You know, like I don't need to see that happen to her. Yeah. I want to see her. I, I, you know what? She has lost a lot of though, you know, and she's gonna find out next season that she lost Marcella as well. All yeah. she, the only thing that keeps Cersei going really is her children. She's not even as much about the Lannister well, name as she is about her children. Left. 
So yeah. it's just Tommen. I don't know. She'll, she'll for sure uh, mourn Marcella, and that will be satisfying to see, honestly. Yeah. It's important to note that, like, the prophecy continues to come true about her children. Well, see, see, this is the thing. They, they had that little scene at the beginning of this season, actually, with a young Cersei, and then never really touched upon it again. I don't know if that scene was really enough for us to focus on that prophecy, you know? In, in no, Cersei's inner monologue, that's a huge part of her, like her motivation. I thought they were going to go back to it at least like two or more times a season to go back and because like, there's more the witch would say, right? I guess, but I think if you look at it as a whole, um, like thematically, the way it, it opens the season on that scene, and then we end the season, well, not like the final shot, but we end the season with this, with her daughter dying, and then her like this is it's like I think it comes, it brings it, it, it brings it to mind, you know. Um, to some degree I get. I mean I wasn't thinking that but if you did then cool I don't know yeah I don't again this it, this scene this whole this whole thing just made me feel uncomfortable we should mention that she does eventually get to the she does eventually get to the Red Keep um she they open the door and her uncle's there um my, uh Maester Aim, not Aemon Pycelle um, Pycelle is there and uh creepy Maester Kyburn um, is also there, right? And she and he helps her, um, like gives her a blanket, and then says he's going to take care of like her feet. Um, and then we find out that the mountain's back, and Jesus, that guy that they have playing the mountain is so gigantic, big. like it is a massive man. Um, he's like from Sweden or something. Is like an impossible name. I think to it's pronounce. Norway or something. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so the thing that's weird though is like, Kybern has no authority to name somebody a knight of the King's Guard. That just doesn't make sense. But he said yeah, that this I, is the newest member of the King's Guard. His name is Sir Robert Strong, and he doesn't speak because he took a vow of silence. But obviously, he doesn't speak because he's a fucking zombie. But <laughs> so, I guess, well, I don't know. I thought I actually kind of believed the vow of silence thing. I didn't. I didn't know that. Well, you see, the ins- his face was all like blue and bloated, and yeah, I, know, I just didn't believe. I didn't. There's no reason to believe he could just. That was why he couldn't speak. You know? I guess. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't a man of many words anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, so here's what I take away from the, the the ending here, okay? Other than the fact that there's a zombie um, version of the mountain, which is terrifying. But um, that the look on Cersei's face when she's carried away here is not the one of, like, the scheming, um, revengeful uh, Cersei that we've seen. It looked very much resigned. Like, and we've used this word resigned, but mm-hmm. she seemed very, like, she seemed like this actually has affected her in some way. I'm not sure what to expect next season. I mean, the classic Cersei thing to do is once she's back there would be to order the Kingsguard to just go and murder all of the, um, all of the, uh, the, the, the sparrows, the sparrows, just go and take, just kill them all and get rid of this whole problem in the first place. So she doesn't have a trial and all that stuff is done. Right. That would be the classic thing to do. But I don't think I, for some reason, I don't think that's either wouldn't work in this case, or she's not. That's not going to happen. I just I think she's changed in some way here, and I think that when she finds out that her that Marcella's dead, it's just going to be it's just going to be compounded that much mm-hmm. more. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I, uh, I definitely don't think she's going to lash out. But I, I, I'd also like she won't be a changed woman after this. Like she's still not evil, but still corrupt Cersei. You know? Yeah, you I think- can't imagine this being like it's not going to turn into a good person no of course not i'm not saying that i just think that <laughs> no, maybe she there that she will have be changed in some way you're not going to see her next season walking around with that smirk on her face again right i just that would be a surprise to me is all we'll see 
Um, it also kind of depends on what Tom is like, you know? We haven't seen Tom in this for a while. Yeah, like four episodes. And they mentioned that he was, like, not taking food and just in his room. I want to see what happens when she finally gets to see him again. Mm -hmm. And also, we didn't touch him with Marjorie at all this episode, so what's going on with her? You imagine she's still just in the... She Well, they're probably going to have a trial as well. I don't know. I mean, so that's one of those things. So if she does decide to take out the sparrows, right, then she does kind of, like, release uh, Marjorie and... And Loris. Yeah, so the, and, and, and Renly, so... Not Renly. Loris. Loris, yeah. So, yeah, you're not gonna... It's 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 complicated. I'm, again, this is... It's not the same kind of uh, cliffhanger as the other parts of this episode, but it, it is interesting to see what will happen here next. Um, just because, like, the power struggle in King's Landing is a lot different than you'd expect, especially at the beginning of the season. Um... Anything else you want to mention about uh, any predictions you have for for King's Landing? Anything like well, that? Well, like I said, like for the most part, this is caught up with the fifth book, but this is one storyline that hasn't entirely caught up, so I don't really, I can't really talk too much about King's Landing. Fair enough. Um, so we'll move on to the final the final uh, scene for the season. Um, so the scene opens with John. Um, he's reading letters that he's received from Ravens, uh, presumably about what happened with Stannis. Um, the look on his face is he's not happy about it I, they don't yeah. tell us but that's what you I, I'd assume anyway um, Ollie enters um, he says that there's a wildling uh, who's seen his uncle Benjen so Benjen Stark was you only seen him in the first season right uh, maybe yeah. the first episode of the first season and yeah, he's Ned Stark's younger brother and he was the first ranger of the Night's Watch at the time yeah and he went off ranging and never was never seen again he went off to find sir ramar royce who was the guy who died in the prologue oh, okay so that he was going ranging to try to find that party okay and um, then yeah never came back there's theories about benjin right that yeah um there someone mentioned to this to me and i'm not i'm not sure if this has happened in the in the book it was just in the book or happened in the show she was convinced it happened in the show too but i'm not i'm not i don't remember that i feel like i would have but like this like cloaked figure who like helped Sam at some point? Um, did this happen in the in the book? Yeah, that's in the, in the books, not in the show. That's not in the show. Okay. Yeah, his name is Cold Hands, and like nobody knows who he is. He rides on an elk, and he, it's not really mentioned who he is, but he has extremely cold hands. That's, that's all. <laughs> oh no way! Um, um, I guess people's theories are that that's maybe Benjamin. Uh, yeah, that's been theorized. I I, I was kind of leaning towards that too while I was reading the books. The other thing in the show and the books, what happens is the other members of his party come back as whites. So they encountered White Walkers. Now, wh- whether or not Benjamin was there is up, you know, nobody knows. Yeah. But he never came back, but his, yeah, his members of his party did. So, yeah, so they've never seen his body, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And also, um, the show did a great job because they, they included Benjamin in the opening, like the, you know, previously on Game of Thrones. And they, yeah. and they, they reminded everybody of that, which had me thinking, like, oh, maybe we're going to get some news because it's one of the biggest mysteries in the books is yeah. what happened to Benjamin Stark. So, like, I wasn't even thinking about what would happen to John. I was like, maybe we'll get a little bit of news about Benjamin. Yeah. I was really amped. So, he um, he comes down the stairs and he goes into this, like, gloomy, dark corner of Castle Black and he goes through this group of. Uh, of uh, Watchmen and comes to a sign and all it says is traitor written on it um, and that part you're kind of like your heart drops and you're like this isn't actually happening that's really what's happening in my head is like what this isn't actually happening right now um, and he turns around and then there's Alistair Thorne with a knife and just right in the right in the gut and he says uh, for the watch and then a couple of the other dudes stab him 
I think two others. Two or three, just, yeah, and they all say yeah, for the watch. And then he he falls to his knees. It's very this is very like drawn out. And you know the whole time you're like, no, fuck this, no, this <laughs> is bullshit. Like fight then, back. Yeah, there's something. Like I can't help but notice like his sword, um he leaves it in his office when he when he when he goes with him. Um because I remember seeing it sitting behind, like leaning against the wall when he's reading those those ravens, whatever. And he yeah. leaves in such a hurry; he doesn't. Have, and he's in his castle; he doesn't really. Yeah, need why would sword. he need it? Yeah. So yeah, um, so he's he's just I guess and and I don't know he I don't I think he's kind of like shocked or maybe he isn't because he knows well, he is for sure he's surprised he's he can't even comprehend it at first. Yeah. So then Ollie, of course, comes the last. He gives the final blow. That one hurts the most because we know that they've been building up Ollie for something, and it had. And unfortunately, it was this crap. Um, and Ollie's a show invention, which makes it even worse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so the final shot of the season lingers on John's face as it kind of pulls up very slowly, um, or does? I maybe maybe it's just sitting there. Maybe it's not moving. I feel like it's pulling up though. I'm not sure. It's the Down blood that's shot. moving. Yeah, and so and a pool of blood just kind of like growing around him. So there's a, a lot to there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, obviously the fact that Jon Snow is dead is a pretty big deal for lots of reasons, um, story reasons, um, like personal reasons. Like he was one of my favorite. He was probably my favorite character. He's probably lots of people's favorite character. He was also like the closest thing we had to a hero at this point, right? Like yeah, yeah. And then it's like the idea that you would build up this character in like this that kind of way to just and to have him killed in this like like this fucking bullshit way too like to just be like like shanked in an alley essentially is it feels like it feels cheap and it feels like we've been cheated a little not not to mention these mysteries that we've been wondering about his mother for so for so long um that's presumably go unanswered Mm -hmm. Um, well no or or we find out and it's that much more tragic because he never gets to find out right yeah um so, there's certain people out there. I mean, this is one of the like. So it's weird. So we have Stannis getting killed off screen, leaving questions, right? And then we have John being killed on screen, um, leaving should be leaving no question. But people, I mean, people will do lots of things, mental gymnastics, mm-hmm. to justify stuff. So lots of people out there are thinking he's not dead, right? So let's just lay out the what they're what certain people are thinking, right? Melisandre is there. This is the, probably the most common theme of uh, of theories. Melisandre arrived at Castle Black like moments before uh, he dies here. The dif- distinction between this and the books is that he's, she's already there, so that it's, it's less yet. it's less obvious, right? Uh, that maybe, but the fact that she would be brought back in a way that like to bring it almost more in line with what's happening in the books, um, in in a way that's like. Not just Latin didn't happen last episode, because then even then you could be like, okay, it's not maybe not as obvious, but the fact that it happened this episode, like like a couple of scenes before where she returns, right? Um, yeah, and she's returning for a reason. Like she's still acting as far as she believes in the name of the, her god, right? I suppose. I mean, I don't. We haven't. We she did look pretty defeated. When but she she's also she's not just running away. Like she has a purpose. I hope so. So then people bring up the fact that she has actually brought people back from the dead before. So Beric Dondarrion, if you guys remember, he was like season two. She never brought him back. It was the other, well, it was, yeah, it was Thoris of Mir, but he, he was also a priest of Rolor. Like he, so he had the same power. He was from the same church and all that. Yeah. So we've seen people brought back from the dead and not like, um, not like Drogon or not. What, what's it? What was it? 
was the name of the guy of the the Kalasar? What was his name? Cal Drogo. Drogo. I was like Drogon. I was like that's no, yeah, Drogo. I knew there was. I knew the reason his name was Drogon is because he was named after. Yeah. Okay. So Drogo. Um, he was brought back to life with like black magic, but not in a you know, um, not in a proper way, right? Um, he left as like a vegetable, right? Yeah, he was brought back to a, uh, like he was alive, but it was sort of a waking death. Yeah. Then we saw in this episode we the mountains brought back to de- uh, to life. But in this case, it, or maybe he was never fully dead. Not sure. We're not really fully sure, but yeah, very much like a z- classic, like Frankenstein monster kind of fashion, right? Yeah. Again, not like in the natural sense, but the Beric Dondarrion sense, he was very much still the same person, right? Um, well, well the, all that needs to be mentioned is that, <clears throat> again, they didn't do a great job of this in the show. He's brought back, but each time he's brought back, it's harder f- for to accomplish, and each time it takes more out of Thoros. Okay. Like it's more taxing on him. It's not he can't just snap his fingers and bring him back. Yeah, and he, he I think he does even in the show mention. I'm not sure how many ti- how many more times I can do this. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that, that it's happened on the show, mm-hmm. that's that warrants its own thing. The fact that Melisandre, you know, the Red Woman is there is that's important. That's and that's she's definitely important. Arguably more powerful than Thoros. Yes. So it's it's really it's it's very difficult honestly to to try to figure out what's happening uh here so let me just and before we continue with what the different speculation i just want to mention that okay there's two interviews that ew does one well they actually more than one uh more than two but two that are pertinent to this conversation then they do one with db weiss and david benioff and they do one with uh kit harrington they're both specifically about this scene and i mentioned that they bring up the fact that with the um uh the death of Ned at the, in the first season and the way that they shot that, that they didn't want to leave any ambiguity. So in the, they mentioned how in the books you can kind of write around um, whether it's clear or not, whether someone dies, right? Um, it's much more difficult to do that on a show, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to show someone die and you want to leave it ambiguous, it's very difficult, right? You could like, how do you do that? Because is he dead? Cause if you show him dying, then he's dead. Cause there's like how, what little hints are you giving? Right. Where in a, in a book, you can maybe... There's other ways to do that, you know? Internal dialogue, what have you. So they wanted to make it very clear, the showrunners did, that he was dead. That he was dead, dead, and dead. There was, <laughs> there was, there was no question here. They yeah. lingered on his face for like, what, 10, 20 seconds of blood just pooling around him like that? There, there shouldn't be question there, right? Well, I don't... I like the entire time they were lingering on his face, we were like listening for his breath, like, yeah. d- does it actually cut out or not? I don't know. I think, yeah, for sure it did. And for sure he's dead. I, I, it, it seemed to me even like the lighting on his face got a bit dark or he got more pale or something, but yeah. that might be looking too in, into it too much. But No, I think that they were trying to make it, again, pretty clear. Kit Harrington, as far as he understands, is not back for season six, okay? He cut his hair. He's had the same haircut for five years, okay? Um, <laughs> so he, uh, he cut his hair, like, right after the interview he did. Um, he went like short, like shorter hair. Um, and he, there was the whole thing about the, um, the, the contracts about having like options for different seat, like having it like an option for six seasons in a seventh. At the same time, we also knew they're doing flashbacks. Um, so hey, yeah, that wh- doesn't necessarily open up. The did we not get any, uh, Tywin flashbacks this season? We did not. We did not. Although I thought that was promised. I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember him being... I feel like I remember he was him being cast. I, it's all blurred to me now. It's, I'm yeah. too traumatized. So, 
the fact that they're not make they're making that um seemingly they're trying to make it very clear that that he's dead and they're not that even like in these interviews like listen don't expect him to come back next season but again this show is all about you know bucking expectations so maybe they're gonna try to like subvert those and say hey actually he is coming back blah ta-da you know so that's possible yeah exactly um but unlikely i mean why like if that I was the case, i won't give start, up hope but they would start they would start filming for next season like soonish i mean not soonish but like the thing is if he is in next season, it's going to be impossibly hard for it to be a reveal on the show, right? At some point, there's going to be casting news or set photos or something that's going to reveal well, no, it. No, because Daniel, the sets, these sets are not in like the middle of the city. This isn't Suicide Squad being filmed in the streets of oh, Toronto. They, yeah, but they still have they have they have fans going and like trying to get pictures all the time. No, I know. Like, I'm, but... I'm just that 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 news would drop before yeah, the I, show maybe comes maybe out. I don't know I think they've done a pretty good job of keeping their secrets yeah. secret um most like a lot of the time um the fact is they're pretty secretive about their um their sets they do them in pretty remote locations it's yeah. not easy for people to get on set um their uh non-disclosure uh, agreements are pretty ironclad like you if you're a, an extra or if you're uh, another actor on the show if you break if you release that information that's fucking bad for you um, it's possible to keep that a secret, all right? It seems unlikely. I mean, you could if you, know, you can say, "Well, he cut his hair." Like you can always give him a wig. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that hard. Um, but I'm not holding out my I'm not holding out hope, but I am just a little, just a smidge. Um, other theories are that you know maybe he's dead, right? But maybe um, uh, Melisandre can use his, you know, king quote unquote blood. She did hint at that. There was that weird scene. Remember, he was in that when they were in the elevator together. Remember that weird one? Yeah. So I mean, but, maybe she can use his like the his death in some in some significant way. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, that's those are the two theories that come to mind for me. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's anything else that comes and, to mind. I for mean, you. to be fair, the blood itself was a focal point, so she could just come and like scoop some up. I guess because <laughs> that that blood is. <laughs> yeah. It, if they lingered on the blood pooling around him, right? Yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, I feel like we read into these things like as much as we possibly can. Everybody, yeah, I know, it's, it's too much. The only thing I will say, and this is again theoretical, because this is how the fifth book ends with with this happening to John. Yeah. So as far as I know, he is dead. But um, the fact that Melisandre and Shireen are both still at the wall, I feel like Shireen will be burned, and it, it'll be her sacrifice to bring John back would make him the more sense. Mm, yeah. Because she does technically have King's blood. She has nobody left to protect her, and. Melisandre has been kind of toying with the idea that Stannis wasn't the chosen one and she sees something in Jon. Yeah. So that's if that happens in the books that's very interesting because that's a very that's so far we've had some fairly major divergences like from the 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 book and the show obviously with the stuff with Sansa but it's but it's stuff that's made sense that's a pretty big difference. Let's say for instance yes. if Jon's brought to back in the life in the book and not in the show that's pretty big, right? Um I so I Well I mean They've well, not to, there's no spoilers, but like they've sort of done that with other characters. There are characters that have come back to that life. Are, I know about the the, yeah. the Lady Stoneheart thing. Um, yes, but I think that's even that's still a bit different. That's like more of a vengeful spirit than it is so much a person mm-hmm. um, coming back, as far as I understand. Um, so I mean, there's I've, I've I've had my ears to the ground here, but I understand that there's a theory that in the books. Um, his uh, wolf is there with him, right? His dire wolf is with him at the time um, when it happens. Mm-hmm. 
and that people think that maybe he warged into his like that's a theory somehow that he warged oh, into yeah. his direwolf. Although not that John's ever done that, so but in the show, in the books, he does it. He has he does does? It, yeah in, in the books he has already uh, and he's done it not necessarily intentionally but he has like the sort of wolf dreams that Bran was having oh so Bran starts warging and he starts doing it intentionally John has done it a couple times without even knowing and then I think maybe like he he, he starts to toy with the idea of it I can't remember I have to reread the fifth book but I I don't remember exactly how it goes okay well yeah that's another thing that they obviously left out for the show yes. but so but maybe they left it out for a reason again because making it has these no yeah I mean making these ambiguous like um it, it, it only if by leaving those things out you kind of don't allow for these kinds of speculation at least for the show you know it's like yes really what the only speculation you have left is Melisandre because there's really nothing else at least that the show leaves you anyway yeah um, or I mean like we know the White Walkers are coming and they can bring back the dead but yeah but then that you don't want to see that I, know, I don't want to see it I'm just saying it's out there so is there anything else you'd like to mention about um, John John's story this season i think out of all the storylines this season that's been my favorite to follow yeah for sure it was the most satisfying at least um, as far as payoffs I, again and i find myself saying this often and uh, you know i sound like a broken record but like it, it felt very rushed mm-hmm. there's there's like the the animosity between the the watchmen and the wildlings like that was a slow burn and there's there's more than one thing that john does it's not just him going to hard home and bringing wildlings back which doesn't even happen in the books in that same uh, order like there's there's a lot of little mini instances that are building up and then it finally comes to a head when some of the watchmen decide to betray him right yeah um the other thing again in the books ghost is there but also that giant is is around him when this happens so they together could fend them off and maybe he's still alive. But in the show, he's very much obviously dead. Yeah. So if they're going in a completely different route that, like you said, is a huge deviation, it's part of them kind of streamlining the show because they're really focusing on the like the major storylines and getting rid of all the stuff that, in their mind, is superfluous, right? But I mean, this is a major storyline. That's why, it, like, John is not just like a, is not a minor character. This is obviously no. the ma- this is the biggest death since. But we don't know what I'd happens say. next, right? So, in terms of how the story progresses after this, if he doesn't have a huge effect on it, like he probably does to a certain degree, if he's mm-hmm. brought back, they might be just deciding to keep him dead and or in order to focus on Daenerys, Arya, Sansa, whoever's left, right? Mm-hmm. Or if I mean, there's new characters next season too. Personally, for me, it's really upsetting because I I I had reached a point um, with the show where I kind of felt like John was pretty safe, um, mm-hmm. even though in episode eight I kind of thought maybe he'd get killed by the White Walker. I, I even in the back of my mind I knew he wasn't going to be. Um, I and I, you know maybe shame on me for for letting myself get to that point, but it it is it's like it's one of those things where you kind of like you know why do I put myself through watching this show at all <laughs> if like you're just gonna if you're just like gonna take these characters that you actually like when you take when you kill john as like the last hero left on in the book you know like or the show like what do you what are you left with like who do you what do you have left to like to care about like do you you don't care what happens to the watch unless john's there you don't care what happens to um to, like almost anybody because like you only what who are you rooting for now uh, sansa uh, but she has no actual agency in anything she actually does, or who you, or Brienne, who, no, like you don't care. Maybe yeah. you, like superfluously you do, um, but like it just like it it's 
it really takes a lot of the 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 emotions out of the show like for me where it's like i i almost i didn't i didn't cry when i saw john die i felt like uh like like cold and like emotionless and maybe that's what i'm supposed to feel there but like i just i feel more betrayed and i know this has happened on the show before where i felt that way um just specifically with the red wedding mm-hmm. but it it's just it doesn't feel like the right thing to do for the show right it does Kay. especially the way they do it right i don't know i and but it made this you at least understand why feeling. it happened to some degree yeah i do i do. i guess like it had sort of been building to, to this I, point. I'm also. It's kind of weird that Alistair Thorne did it. I, I would never have expected him to do that. Well, and yeah, well, that and the way that like they set like, it, it's almost one of those like, Alistair Thorne had to be there because he's the only one of the only two recognizable Nights Watchmen that's left on the show. Yes, right. But it's like they did that whole scene where he elected him, you know, first ranger, right, and all the stuff like to kind of like build a relationship with him. He has that line about, you know, you have a good heart, Jon Snow, you're going to get us all killed. But that does that, that line exactly. doesn't there, necessarily... There was like a, a mutual respect between the two of them, right? Like, you yeah. don't think that he would have done this. And there was nothing in between that to change his mind. It it, seem, it, it does seem a little... Again, rushed might be the right... You, you use that word a lot for this season. I don't, I don't feel the same way because I don't have the books as context for, uh, like you do. But, yeah, it doesn't... It feels... Um, yeah, like rushed. It, like they, they, they had to jump. The script said so, so he, mm-hmm. he, he had to do it. Um, I mean, all yeah, I understand Ollie because that actually does it does build up properly with Ollie why yeah. that might happen, but not with Alistair. So, I, I mean, what's the fallout here for the Wall? Who like did down the elected new? Well, king, this is um, interesting, right? Because now we have so Melisandre is back at the Wall. Davos, as far as I know, is still at the Wall. Right? Yeah, he he got back. Um, there's all the, the rest of the watch. I, they're they're few in number, but they're still there, and it's still their place. And none of them are really. Uh, uh, Sam's gone. Aemon's dead. All of Jon's allies are kind of either dead or gone. So we are kind of left with kind of the shittier people at the watch who don't necessarily believe in the, the White Walkers, and they care more about the Wildlings. And the Wildlings are also either at the wall or just south of the wall. Yeah. So you can see the Night's Watch deciding that the, the the war is in the south and going and try to massacre all the wildlings, and that's just short-sighted, and then the White Walkers coming from behind. Honestly, I have, in terms of the next book or the next season, very bleak outlook. It's, it's I think it's going to get much darker before it gets any better. The Winds of Winter is the next book, and I think it's going to be a very grim book. Yeah. I mean, and it mentioned, I guess, that George R. R. Martin has said that he wants to get the book out before next season. Mm-hmm. Um which I would hope be, to God that happens. That would be good. I mean, it, it would also allow us to continue the dynamic that we have already established for the show, for this like for podcast anyway. Um, so I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Hope for your for your sake anyway. Um, what do you What do you think of the season as a whole? We kind of you say you felt rushed. Anything else you want to mention about the season yeah, or this the or season any particular arc? Um, I mean, obviously, we are very excited going into this season. We're excited going into every Game of Thrones season. Um, it felt like at the first couple episodes, I was like, okay, they're just going to build up to something. It's going to get better. And then episodes like, you know, five, six, okay, five, six, seven were like, hey, like it should have, it should have moved a bit more by now. You know, there wasn't really any, there weren't really any big plot movement, uh, like, oh my God, episodes mm-hmm. up until episode eight. 
Episode 8 was great, and like we said earlier, 8, 9, and 10 were solid. Not even They, they weren't classic Game of Thrones. They were, they were the, some of the best that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. But before that, the season felt very much like every episode, there were scenes that I could tell were just like wasted time or boring or too much focus on this character and no payoff at the end. The Winterfell yeah. thing really is really disappointing. Part of it is because it hasn't happened in the books, and now I'm, I'm inclined to believe that that's how it's going to play out in the books, that Stannis loses. So yeah, then, well, I mean, I, I give a pretty good idea. That's most that's most likely true. Exactly. Right? So, and and same with Shireen dying. Like she hasn't died yet in the books. I'm 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 sure she's going to. And now I can see how she might be used as a sacrifice. And I hope at least it has that significance. But it's getting to the point where the show is caught up with the books, and now certain things have been not ruined, but like given away. And part of me saying this season it felt so rushed is that I don't feel like I was as emotionally invested in them in the show as I am in the books and now I don't get that payoff you know what I mean yeah um I mean again I don't have the the books for context and that's kind of why we like doing the show it's good and I agreed um I guess after the first season that I was only going to watch the show as a show at least until the show was over um and I still I'm sticking to that to my guns there um but the melancholy ending to this season really puts a, a sour leaves a sour note for me because at least even with even with season three's red wedding that was episode nine there was another episode after that that kind of that could give you something right um this <laughs> the final shot of the season is john snow's dead body um it's i'm not sure if it's the i mean i don't know what the right I can't say I'm not I'm not the showrunners here in this case I don't know what the right or wrong way to do it is but it feels like it it makes you feel really detached um, emotionally detached from a sh- from the show when you end on that note right mm-hmm. because it leaves you on such a down like compared to last season what's the last shot in the last season is that Arya sailing off onto the on the boat it was Arya yeah going to problems that's a that's a pause that's an uplifting like sailing off into the, the sunset is an uplifting image right mm-hmm. this is 180 degrees of that when you it's it's hard to get yourself excited for season six when you just like when you're in such when you're when you feel so low about what's happening well yeah that's a good point like right now looking at season six what do we have to look forward to that's what I'm saying. Like when you talk, Daenerys you the is most captured. Arya's blind. Sansa's jumped off a wall, presumably injured or dead. Jon's dead. Like, what do we care about any of the rest of this? Right? And, but yeah, I mean, it's like how what what like the, what makes this show so exciting are the stakes, right? The stakes are real. Anyone can die at any time, right? That's 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 all fine in practice or in in theory, but when you take a when those. And that applies to the only the characters that you like. Yes, we've seen Joffrey die. People didn't like Stannis, whatever. But like, when when things like the Red Wedding and then this happen, and it, it applies to those major things more. It oh, it feels like that anyway. Where where like negativity seems to just thrive constantly. Yes. It's it's like it's like you ask people. I honestly I think people ask themselves like, why am I even watching this show? Because like, what's the point? Anymore. You just have to maintain your hope that it'll get better. <laughs> There's going to be a happy ending, or not even a happy ending, but it's, it'll get better. The seventh book is called A Dream of Spring, so hopefully it's a bit more positive. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't know he released the name for it. A Dream of Spring does sound a lot more uplifting. Yes. And 
I get well. This isn't the spoiler necessarily, but like his his working title for that was called a, a Time for Wolves, and then now he changed it to a Dream of Spring. So you would hope that some of the stars, whoever are remaining, gets some sort of redemption. Yeah, if there's any of them left. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. Like, well, maybe maybe it's Rickon. Rickon will come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I hope we see Rick. I honestly do wish we see Rickon next. Month. I think we will. I next, think we will next next month. Next uh, season. It's a year away. You always have to remind yourself. Ten months. It's ten months away until the next season of Game yeah. of Thrones. Um, the only other thing, like, John, them killing him in episode 10, the way they did at the end, I, it almost, to me, lends credence to the idea that he's going to come back. Because it's it's too on the nose. You know, the, all these episode 9 ones were, it was episode 9, and it, you had that one episode to hope, and then episode 10 was like, yeah, no, they're for real dead. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, it's so, like, they want to be playing with your emotions for an entire year, and then they're going to bring John back, and it's supposed to be that much more uplifting. Yeah. Potentially. It, now people... It does let you kind of like look into like now when you get off season Game of Thrones news, you're gonna be looking at it with a different light. Be like, is there hints to John's mm-hmm. return or blah 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 or whatever? I think it really comes down to John or the the show just killed the most popular character. Yeah, I mean, people liked Rob, but he was not the most popular character on the show, right? I mean, Tyrion. People make the the. There's definitely people who can make um, arguments for Tyrion and for Danny being the most popular those are the big three yeah yeah but john represented the north and why people like cared about that story without john you don't care and i think they need to figure out if they're not going to bring john back i need to figure out what it is because sam's not even there anymore yeah so well at this point without john you don't really care about anything in westeros other than maybe sansa yeah the daughter storyline wasn't big enough and then Tyrion and danny ernesos yeah i mean i'm i'm I guess it makes it kind of sound like we're kind of worried about next season, and I think I I think we have right good reason to be. I think to some degree, um, I'll still think, be there day one. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's like saying, oh, you know, Ant Man doesn't look that great, but that's like saying, but I'm still gonna go. We're watch still Ant-Man. gonna go. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on that note, on that, just on the way we, the same way we opened the the this episode on a on a high. <laughs> let's on a high. We're, we let's be let's be. You know, let's be hopeful optimistic. that next... Uh, yeah, optimistic. Cautiously optimistic, like we are with almost every property that we ever look forward to. Cautiously optimistic that it's going to work out. Things are still going to make sense. To be honest, after the Red Wedding, it was hard to get back into season... It was hard to get into season four. So let's yeah. let's hope that we don't have that same lull again with season six, but it, it's yeah. it's hard to know. Hope that he releases the next book soon. Hope, hope, hope. That's all we have now. Um, so... Until next year, um, I'm Julie Muche. And Dan D'Souza. And uh, we'll be back with Season 6, Episode 1, in about a year. Um, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter if you want to follow, keep up with it. Um, we'd like to talk about Game of Thrones all year round. Follow us on Twitter, at Tower Babblecast. Um, I just want to mention um, that we got a lot... Like, we've, I feel like we really made... Grant, gained a little bit of a more of a following this season i really appreciate everyone who's been listening it's really awesome thank you um for those who listen to us as just a game of thrones podcast we'll see you in a year for those who'd like to who want to listen to us um continue uh, our stuff our discussions not necessarily game of thrones related but we do like to talk about the off-season news a little bit we do have another podcast the tower of babel podcast if you're listening to this podcast on just the game of thrones feed there's another one you'll find the link in the show notes um to connect to it on uh, iTunes directly and on um, what's the other one? Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah, thank you. Um, so definitely 
listen to those. And if you've never listened to it, stay tuned after this podcast for um, a short clip from that show to get an idea of what we do there. Um, other than that, send us any comments, questions, or anything like that to towerofbabblepodcast at gmail.com. Like I said, we will see you guys in one year. This week's Game of Thrones theme cover is an electric cello cover by Tina Guo. You can find her music on YouTube as well as on iTunes. I just want to talk about one last thing before we go, and I maybe should have mentioned it earlier, but uh, Mad Max for your road. Did you guys all see that? Yeah. 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 What do you guys think of Mad Max? Yeah. I, it was it was fun. Like, I don't know. I think there's this, everybody's loving that movie so yeah. much. And I wasn't blown away by it like a lot of people seem to be. I, don't, I would just say that it's, I don't know how you're not blown away because they pulled <laughs> off two-hour chase scene with the best practical effects. The practical effects cool. of CG. Uh, perfectly cohesive. Like, this, like it's crazy. How, do you, how does that happen in a desert? How, do you, how can you do that? I don't know. I, think, I found a lot of it to be visually boring at certain points, you know? What? How is it visually yeah. boring? How, I, of all the criticisms to throw at Mad Max Free Road, visually <laughs> boring is not the one I thought like, you... The action is cool, but a lot of it, like, I don't know... It, it was all very much just the same crap happening over and over again. I guess I just I I thought it was. I they, thought it, was... it wasn't. It wasn't as revolutionary. And maybe part of it is because I went into it a little late, and and I'd seen all these all like all, um everybody you know speaking about it and everybody loving it so much that I was going in expecting more. Maybe that's a piece of it. Well, I, I think but, there's uh, been a little bit of hyperbole. I I agree with you there. I mean, people yeah, have been calling sure. it the best action film in the last twenty years. Um, I think yeah, like settle down. It's done some pretty impressive action things that I don't, but I don't know if it's the best action. I don't want to say twenty years, but uh, it's up there in terms of influencing a lot of things to come. uh, I I think you're right about the practical effects, uh, Jeremy. Like the the ability that what they did with the effects on this, uh, with like a a director, like an eighty five year old director. It's like pretty like the whole thing is pretty crazy. Um, The idea that he's had ideas for this movie in his head for like forty years. To do a new and it's a very it's a very simple story it's just how we go through it and it's just a lot of action sure they're just always in the same setting but i don't know i just find myself always just craving more of it and like i just thought it was so cool the whole time well, see I, I found myself i wanted more the entire time i wanted more and i feel like it just never delivered for me what i thought would they i the the making of this movie is more interesting than the movie itself to me. Like what they did with like people talk about how he cut the movie in a certain way. There is no every scene is um is is center frame right. So when you cut doing all these different cuts, you never have to search for what's going on. It's always right in the middle of the the screen, which I think is like that's so crazy because like there's so many crazy. Yeah, every, everything is very purposeful. Even the beginning, yeah. uh, you know, he's on. He's just standing on that hill, yeah. and then all of a sudden he just leaves, and then you just see him going down the hill in the distance. Yeah. You're just just there. Then he's gone, and then like a minute passes, and then room, room, room. All these cars just jumping over the same shot. The camera just sitting there. It's like wow, that's. Like that's so cool. Like how like, no one's ever done that re- in the recent memory in my mind. No, it's it's pretty. I don't think like, anyone's that's ever like, done it. Wow, like, like we're, we're stuck in this. We're stuck in this moment, 
And that's exactly what would happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't know, I just thought it was so immersive when he did that that the one world, scene from the beginning. I love the world that they set up. I mean, the world's been established in other movies, but the way they like, I've never watched any of the other Mad Max movies, right? So going in, I just instantly understood the rules of the world, which is really important when you're doing this kind of movie. The rules are instantly set up of why things are the way they are and how they are. It's like never fully yeah. explained, but you're kind of like okay with that, you know? Yeah, it doesn't waste too much time. No, um, I mean, and the Mad Max as a character isn't really even the main character of the movie, which is really cool. It's more, um, it's more Furiosa who's more the main character, which is really awesome. Um, that's off the events that he kind of uh, flourishes out of, and, and uh, is yeah, a part they, of. Well, I say they share the spotlight a bit, but like, yeah, no, they do. But like, she sets the, the story up. If she yeah. doesn't disobey the guy and yeah. do whatever, then he Mad Max is dead. Well, no, they always say like some of the criticisms is that Mad Max is literally a passenger in his own movie, which is. True, because which is still pretty is. cool. Because any of us can be passionate about anything. It's up to us to to make something of it and change yeah. something. So like I mean, the idea is that these events would have still happened if Mad Max wasn't there. She still would have kidnapped the the, the girl, or not kidnapped, but like smuggled them out, right? She still would have like all those things yeah. would have happened regardless of Mad Max's. But who knows how far she would have gone? That, that's the whole point, is that, that yeah, she wouldn't have gone as far without. He was a stranger, just like any of us could have been in a certain circumstance that we chose to act and do something about it. I mean. So I love it for its visuals, its action. Like the music is in, um, insane. Like, oh the man, the music so is good. Bad. It's, it's probably good. some of the best scores I've heard in a long time. Easily. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, I would do. I would like a little bit. I do like a little bit more substance to the story. Like the story here is, we go to this place, and we come back and we go back. <laughs> like that's the story. And, Which is like I swear to God, there's like maybe forty lines of dialogue. Maybe if that. Yeah, no, I'm, and again, it's but it, like little it's, things like that. Like all that stuff didn't bother me because I just I just didn't need no, it. Like, but like that's why you you go into like Julian, you were saying you like it because of the story behind it, and like that's the you can't go into a movie. Me thinking too. I things. love stories too, but when I was watching, it's like I didn't need any of it. I just want to see yeah, this and, one and I tried to watch situation it unfold. That's all I cared about. Yeah, that's, I, what, that's fine. Why I like the movie. It is. You're right. It's very yeah. simple, neat, tight. Yeah, for sure, it works on and on that level. It maybe not crave more story. Most movies, you need story for sure. I'm saying this movie is successful, and that's why people like it, because that story was not needed for the amount of substance in terms of its action and characterization that it had. That's why it's a success. I think it's more refreshing than revolutionary. Like, I, I, it can't yeah. be super revolutionary. No, but, you know it, it, but it that's what they're making. You know, that's what I'm saying. Well, I think it's, it's slightly a bit of both. Like, I think movies are going to have to uh, take a hand from now. I mean, like the fact that they were able to build these characters with what you said, 40 lines of dialogue, you understand what's going on with these characters. Yeah. There's no, like, there is still characterization. They still grow throughout the movie. It's just, yeah. it's just done through action instead of dialogue, which is like, that's impressive, you know? I'm not going to say it's one of the best movies I've seen in 20 years, but it's, it's one of the best action movies I've seen in a long time, for sure. For sure. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree, Dan, there's a bit of hyperbole out there. It seems to be go- growing. Uh, people just, are making it out to be more than I think it really is. Um, but maybe rightfully so. I'm not sure. 